Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in to another NFL recap uh, of the week episode. Uh, we greatly appreciate everyone for all their support and appreciation of the pod and um, the TikTok and the YouTube. We have plenty of more content coming out on all platforms at Tea Time Report. And a lot of that is thanks to this guy that's joining me today, Brandon. Really appreciate all the work yes, that sir. we're able to you know, put together here. And it's really showing and we're getting a lot better at what we're attempting to do. It's for the culture. It is. It is. And in this episode, we're obviously going to be doing the week three recap of the NFL's 2023 season. Um, and we have a lot to talk about. This was kind of a crazy week. Um, you know, a lot of weirdness involved, in my opinion. Um, but first, because Brandon was not on our power rankings for the post week three power rankings episode, I would like him to, you know, kind of take the first 20, 25 minutes and talk about his power rankings list post week three. And just give us his two cents on, you know, why teams are where they are. And then we'll get into recapping every single matchup that occurred from, you know, September 21st to Monday, which was the 25th. So we'll get into the depth on all those games. But first, Brandon, if you want to take it away here. Yes, sir. Thank you, Trevor. This week, I was actually able to put a little bit more time and effort into my power rankings and really break it down a little bit more. And starting from... The bottom, number 32, working my way up to number one. As much as I hate to do it, I have to put my Chicago Bears. They might be the worst team in NFL history at this point. I might be stretching, but the, as far as Chicago Bears history, this might be the worst team of all time. Now, damn, I don't think if I don't really think they're gonna go 0-17, but I wouldn't sort of I wouldn't look at people differently if they were starting to say this team could potentially because what have they had to show for? Absolutely nothing. Justin Fields threw for under 100 yards in his career for the fourth time against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Had 99 to be exact. And it's just like week in and week out, it looks worse. Yes, they scrambled him or drew up some plays for him to scramble outside the pocket, made some plays with his feet 11 times for 11 carries. Only amounted to 47 yards. Didn't really do anything. His longest was 17, and that was more so on a broken play than it was a design run. And the defense was just atrocious. Got picked apart. Matt Eberflus was just getting out play called, for lack of better terms, by Matt Nagy, of all people. He was playing and, checkers, and the Chiefs were playing chess. And it there. really hurt even more, because it was Matt Nagy. Mm. And he had his redemption game against the Bears, and Taylor Swift was there as well. So once I saw that, I just knew Travis Kelsey was going to bend us over and spank our bunda. Oh. And it wasn't just Travis Kelsey. It was a combined effort by the Chiefs. And 34 nothing at halftime, it was so bad that we were slated off national television because the game was actually on Fox on that 4 o'clock slate. And by the time the second half started, the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals was on national television on Fox. No longer the Bears and the Chiefs. And Fox, his CEO, even came out and said that was correct and they did slate it because there was actually a top Google search why did the Bears-Chiefs game get off of Fox. And he actually said that they wanted to put a more competitive game up there, so they switched it. To the Broncos, I'm not, I'm to not the Cowboys and Cardinals. So that just sums up the Bears right now, and what was honestly one of the worst weeks of all time, and for a franchise in general, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a fan base. I touched on it a lot in the Windy City Reports episode that just came out today. Make sure you check that out. But number seven, was, to be correct. Yes, sir. That is crazy, and you you would actually come to find out throughout those episodes. I've just done nothing but eat my words, being a fan of the Bears. I mean, the very first episode, I started out and prefaced the whole episode around talking shit about this reporter who ranked Matt Eberflus as 32 in the head coach power rankings, and 
Do we have now to look at now look at me? Um, do we have to call that guy up and say, yo, bro? Yeah, like, yo. might have to. And then uh, <laughs> I, right? I also said that they were going to beat the Packers. I ate my words on that. I said they were they were, they were going to come back and beat the Bucks. Ate my words on that. And I also said that this game against Kansas City was going to be a lot closer than people thought. And I ate my words on that. So. That just sums up my life as a Bears fan right now. We lost $100,000 plus in equipment that got stolen from House Hall. Our defensive coordinator resigned, and HR was involved due to inappropriate action, which is a very, very mild term to put for your house getting raided for, by the FBI for child pornography. Um, then Justin Fields has the performance he has. Our starting tackle goes on IR. Eddie Jackson's ruled out. It's just one thing after another. So, yeah, they're at 32. Number 31, I have the Carolina Panthers. Silver lining is that the Bears also have the Panthers' first round pick this year. So I like the fact that they're the two bottom teams on my power rankings as far as draft capital goes. But they did, look, they did look a little bit better with Andy Dalton at the helm. Actually, a lot better as far as just the offensive side of things. They were actually able to have some life against a good Seahawks team, a good Seahawks defense. I know you're high on. Um, I have them in my top 10. But I still don't think Carolina is anything better than a bottom two team in this league. And if it wasn't for the Bears being just absolutely horrendous, uh, Carolina would still be at number two. crazy? The Carolina actually, based on Andy Dalton's high-quality backup quarterback performance and them showcasing they actually have ability to score, they went up six spots oh, on wow. the list. And they were they were dead last, I think, last week. Well, that, I can say the same for Arizona, which I'll, I'm about to get into. Uh, Denver's at 30. I mean, you just had 70 points put up on you. You're one of the worst defenses in the league. Excuse if not me. the worst. You're 0-3. Um, it's right there with the Bears' defense for the worst, and they play each other this weekend, which is going to be a fucking great game to watch. Um, the Broncos are still favored by three and a half on the road in Chicago after they just put up or got seventy points put up on. No them, way, so. bro. Yeah. No way they're favored. Yeah, by three and a half on the road. Dude, no way anyone is touching that money line. I, I'm not, dude. Do not touch this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. It's going to be rough. Um, Twenty nine out of the New York Jets. They're just. Going lower and lower, they are show themselves. Your running back is yelling at your running back coach. The defense is getting mad at the offense, and now Robert Sala is getting called out apparently by reports that he doesn't have faith in Zach Wilson, which I mean you can't blame the guy. How can you? Um, <laughs> Twenty-eight. I have the Arizona Cardinals, which jumped up four spots. I had them at thirty-two last week. Knocked off the Cowboys, which was number one on my list last week, which was crazy. Um, and also, I had picked the Cowboys in my survivor pool, and then knocked me out of that, which was fucking annoying. Shout out to the Cardinals for that. Not really. The Cowboys are fucking <laughs> ass for that. Um, they actually dropped a lot in my rankings, which I'll get into. Um, 27, I have the Vikings, which is crazy. I went 3 now all in one score games. And in a game where the Chargers went for it on 4th and 1 on their own 20-something, and they still didn't score after that, we'll get into that. But um, 26, the Las Vegas Raiders. 25, the Tennessee Titans. Really just a really bad performance against Cleveland, which They're, I did not expect that. I think I ended up having the Titans to win. I, I actually did because I was betting them as the underdog, and whenever they're underdogs, they win a lot more times than they don't with Mike Vrabel. Um, 24 at the New York Giants. I mean, they played a San Fran team, which is one of the best, if not the best team in the league, and I didn't really expect anything else from that game. Yeah. Um, 23 have the Los Angeles Chargers. They got the first one of the season, but the only reason they're this low on my list is because Brandon Staley's the head coach. And the fact that he really made that play call to go for it, fourth and one, at your own 20, with under two minutes left in the game, you're up by four. Can, can I say something about that? He yeah. really was like, he must have watched the week one tape on the Lions and was like, dude, let me let me try that. 
Like, let me let me give that a shot. And it's like, dude, your think, team is not built for that. I think even Dan Campbell would say that's like a once in a million chance of him even calling that and that that actually working in that situation. And well, like it was a fake punt, and yeah. they're on their sixteen. Yeah, the line was even more ballsy. More ballsy, but like at least it's more creative. You know, like you at least have some suspense. Just, but like, like you said, Brandon Staley being there, he's I the reason why. I can't believe he still has a job, and the fact that he even got a win from this is going to secure that job longer from him. But I, there's no way that the front office and the elites and the ownership of that owner organization looks at that game and was like, "No, oh, this is our guy." What the fuck are you doing? You know. Um, <laughs> Jacksonville at number 22, they just look abysmal on the offensive side of things. They came out with a really good second half against Houston, but that game was exactly what I predicted. I said that was going to be C.J. Shroud's coming to this game and that Houston was going to be my underdog of the week. Can and I say one thing about Jacksonville? If they elevate Josh Peterson from the practice squad, I think they uh, don't little, lose uh, a game. A little father-son magic going to yeah, happen there. they don't lose a game the rest of the season. Um, 21, I have Houston right above them, the team that did beat them. They're interchangeable, but Houston obviously gets the edge because I just beat them in pretty handily, honestly. Facts. 20, I have Washington. I'm curious to see how high you still are on them. I have um, them at 22. They dropped six spots, but I, I actually... That we'll, was bad. That we'll was get bad into it, appearance. but I, I I know it was a very bad appearance. Two of the picks were his fault. You know, And Sam Howe, I still am high on him. He's a captain. Mm-hmm. He, people believe Which him. Which does say a lot. People believe in him, bro, and I do. But, like, he's been sacked 19 times in three games. So that is an issue. That is a big issue. Um, but continue. Sorry to cut you off. But 19, I have the New England Patriots. They're just always going to be there because they're competitive and they're well-coached. Wow. But wow. Um, I use that a wow for them being no, that they're, higher than they're being in, that low. You're going to probably laugh. They're, they're a nine for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, be, I believe in them. I believe, oh, wow. I believe in Bill Belichick with a above-average offense. I really I, I do. Don't, I, I really don't. I don't <laughs> think Bill Belichick is anything without Tom Brady. Okay, that's facts. But I think he's a Not that he's not a first ballot Hall of Fame coach and he's always going to have a competitive team and a really good defense. I mean, they really they actually brought on Will Greer this week to be in their practice squad in their study room against the Cowboys. Smart. So that way they can learn what the Cowboys do. You know, I but mean, that, like that, that's just Bill playing chess, not checkers, you know, yes. and that's what's always going to give them that competitive edge. And that's why they're even in the top 20 for me. But I just, I don't believe in that offense. I don't believe in Matt Jones to get it done. You know what I mean? Logan called him on the uh, Power Rankings episode. A dirty cock grabber. I don't know if he you've is. seen Like, he, he low-key, like, it's confirmed now. Like, it's Sauce Gardner hard. and Darius Slay. Like, this guy's a weirdo. But, uh, no, like, I, I, I think we should hold them a little higher just because Bill Belichick is kind of like a, like a Bill Walsh. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, in this league right now, like, he's always going to be yeah. competitive. 18, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. Even though they just lost and couldn't get anything going on offense. Another situation where you just are going to hold them higher than a lot most because of their coaching. And Matthew Stafford is still going to be a Hall of Famer, whether you like it or not. Puka Nakua is still a fucking, I mean, continues to be a really good weapon for Matthew Stafford. He's... I didn't realize how huge he was because I haven't watched the Rams game, Rams game until this Bengals matchup, and he's fucking big. He's tall. He's thick. He's fucking muscular. Pause. Pause. You know, but <laughs> yeah. um, I understand what you mean. He's a very athletic-looking wide receiver, but a guy I did want you to touch up on is Tutu Atwell. You said you've yeah. been high on him. Tutu since Atwell college. is just a difference maker for that offense right now, and he's sort of like an X factor for them. He's someone that you put you sort of lose sight 
of him on the defense. He's fast. Really fast, short as well. So he, he really is easy to get lost, especially when you have the creativity and the offensive mind of Sean McVay and the play calling and scheme they're going to work up in the route concepts. And we're seeing, we're seeing that come to fruition now. I mean, he has 15-plus points in every game of fantasy this year so far. Scored his first, first touchdown last night. Um, was making big play, not last night, the night before, Monday night. Was making big play after big play. I've always been a fan of his since his Louisville days. Was utilized the same way in college. A little bit more because he was wide receiver one there. And and when this offense of the Rams, he's just not at that level. He's not going to really be used like that. But you can see them sort of tapping into that element that he brings to the offense. And this is also an offense without Cooper Cup that still is looking viable at the right receiver position. So just imagine what happens when he comes back. That Bengals defense is really good. And they were playing at home Monday night. They're 0-2. They weren't going to let the Rams come out there. Super Bowl rematch as well. They weren't going to let the they Rams come win. out there and do what they, what I thought they were going to do, honestly, picking up Matt Stafford and starting him this week in fantasy. One thing I do have to say about that game real quick, real, real quick, <laughs> I mean, real quick um, is before the game, a reporter, I don't know who it was, but it was someone for, obviously, I think it was NBC, because I was watching the game on Peacock, and they were talking to Joe Burrow, and they're like, why are you, you know, kind of risking it tonight? I know you're not 100%. And he's like, we have a chance to go 0-3 here. That's why mm-hmm. I'm stepping out here. Like, I'm not, I thought that was fire. That's BDE right there, uh, that, That's, yeah. That's, that's Joey Burr, and he's been like that ever since his college days, and that's what you really like about him, and that's why the Cincinnati fan base is, feels the way they do about him. I can um, see why he got paid that money, though. Like, 100%. he is him. Like, he's, he's him. He's completely just turned that franchise around 180. Yeah. And after a rookie season where he got hurt and had to miss the whole season. Had a, like, dude, that whole that whole roster in his rookie year, I'm glad he, I'm, I'm not glad he got injured. I just wish he didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, dude, Jesus, that, that was a USFL team out there. He was bad. Um, but, sorry, to continue Moving with the on, list, uh, 17 at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they dropped out of the top 10, which I had them last week. I had them at a 9, I believe, yet. Mm. And, um, but it's sort of a coming to earth in the, a humbling game for the Bucks. a game that I did predict that was going to happen. Only one touchdown offensively that came from a one-yard pass on the end zone um, late in the game in the fourth quarter. Just garbage, garbage. Garbage time, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get into that game as well. But number 16, I have the Indianapolis Colts knocking off the Baltimore Ravens team in overtime. And I'm, I'm interested to see what you have to say about that game because I really did not expect it at all. Um, I predicted it. Yeah. I chose the Colts. Yeah, that is, that is right. You did do that. Even, like, I said if they had AR, but, like, still, like, uh, Gardner Minshew pulled the Dan Orlovsky in the end zone and stepped out of his own end zone, and they still won the game, man. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the first quarterback to ever do that. That's funny. It is actually funny to bring that up. Nice little nugget there. Uh, number 15 had the Atlanta Falcons dropping out of the top 10 as well for me. Really just a, That was one prediction that I was just completely wrong on in this weekend's games. I mean, I, had, I still had Detroit winning that game, but I had, it, I had them edging that win out. We chose and, Gilbert. Yeah, and that like as well, 50. which did not happen. And Jared Goff, 22 for 33, I believe, 220 or 30 yards, a pick and a touchdown as well. But that's And a rushing also, touchdown. And that's also a Falcons defense that's only allowing 175 yards through the air throughout the first three weeks. Yes, they played um, Jordan Love and Bryce Young those first two weeks, but still, it's a very formidable secondary with A.J. Terrell and Jesse Bates in the back end now. You but, took the uh, words out of them. Those guys are really good players. Sorry about that. Moving on to number 14, I have the New Orleans Saints, which, man, that was a tough tough one to lose. Uh, up 17 nothing, and the Packers come back and sort of ate my words again with Jordan Love, which we'll get into. 
Um, number 13, I still have the Bengals up here this high. That's where I got Cincinnati right now at 13. I just really believe in this roster and even given what's happened the first three weeks and a Joe Burrow that's not 100% healthy. They still just they just beat the Rams. Yeah. They were in that game last week against uh, Baltimore, I believe. And we're starting to see that connection with Jamar Chase come alive. T. Higgins really needs to get his shit together because he had like three or four drops in that game Monday night. But it's still, Joe Mixon looked like himself again. That defense looked really good, like we were touching on. So I, I still have them up there in the top 15. Number 12, I have the Green Bay Packers. Um, every team from here until about the top seven or eight are all interchangeable, to be honest. It's kind of hard to just place them. Green Bay Packers at 12. Pittsburgh Steelers at number 11. I just really like that defense. I really like TJ Watt. I really like Mike Tomlin as a head coach. We were talking about this off the air. Kenny Pickett had his best game of the season so far. Yeah. And moving on to number 10, I got Seattle Seahawks still just at the outside of that top 10. Number 9, I have the Cleveland Browns, mm. who actually moved up 13 spots for me after last week. And I mean, they're they're playing winning football even with the loss of Nick Chubb, and I respect it, but I still have them pretty low because... I, again, maybe I'm biased, but I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson completely yet. I'm, I'm really not either. It's more so I'm buying into Miles Garrett in that defense. Facts. I really, I really am. That's they're the best pass defense in the league right now after that Atlanta performance. And Denzel Ward in the backfield is great. Jeremiah Owusu Kamara on the outside linebacker is great. Miles Garrett on the defensive line is great. They're just they're very stout and they're very good at all three levels of the defense. And Greg Schwartz has just really turned them around and have them playing winning football. And this is still with Deshaun Watson playing like a, a shell of himself. I'm not saying I believe in him, but it, it does kind of linger in the back of your mind that if he does get back to what he was on the Texans when he burst into the league, just watch out. Yeah. Even without Nick Chubb, man. Elijah Moore had a really good game, starting to get him more involved. Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper, just a solid top 15 receiver in this league, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know what he's going to get you. Nothing more, nothing less, really. But still can burst for those games every now and then. Number eight, I have the Detroit Lions moving up five spots. So they're cranking into the top ten after being in my top 15 last week. Just looked really, really good against an Atlanta team that I said if they shut down B. John Robinson, they should win this game handily. That's what they did, but I wasn't expecting them to. But shout out to them for that. It's really hard to shut down that rushing attack for that Atlanta Falcons team. Number seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens. I was really torn on this one, the fact that I still have them this high after they did lose that game against Indy. But I just, I said I said it before, Zay Flowers are going to be an all-pro receiver for me. They still have Mark Andrews. Lamar, he's still an efficient passer when it really comes down to it, when he wants to be, I guess, and he's still a threat on his legs. Oh, yeah. They just are really struggling to get anything going on the, on the ground game right now. But if they can figure that out, which I think they will, they'll still be formidable. And right now they still... I mean, they're still taking them over any other team in that division. Um, I'm pretty sure they beat the Browns. I might be wrong about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they beat the Browns week one. Then they beat the Bengals week two. So, I mean, and their only divisional matchup against the Colts, which I really don't know how they lost that, but they did. Still in my top ten at number seven. Gardner Minshew, man. Minshew Mania. Minshew Mania, indeed. Number six, I have Dallas Cowboys dropping five spots from number one last week. I mean, you lost to the Arizona fucking Cardinals and Josh Dobbs. Even with Trayvon Diggs being out for the season, that should not have amounted to what we saw on the field. They were one for five in the red zone, I think, for on touchdowns. And I, I, I touched up. We're gonna get into this game more in depth, obviously, all these games. But just I want to add on to that. Like, 
how the fuck do you lose this game with a premier roster like the Cowboys have? This is a guaranteed win for any coach that has this team. You give Dan Campbell this team, they're undefeated, bro. And they they like, came into that game thinking that the Cardinals were trash. They just overlooked them, and they didn't give them the respect. I mean, they do fucking suck. I had them at 32 last week, but it's still an NFL football team. You have to give them that respect, and they didn't. They came in like they were playing the USFL team and, and showed. They got punched in the mouth, really. And it was a wake-up call for them, and it's just typical Dallas Cowboys. It really is. Because, like, I, now I'm like, okay, I kind of am going to put you in the same tier as the Bills. Yeah. You guys are going to scare me in the playoff yeah, time. Yeah, 100%. Not yeah. in a good way, but... I, I actually agree with you 100% on that, and that's who I have at number five. The Buffalo Bills, one spot ahead of them. Um, just back-to-back really, really good weeks. One against the Raiders team that's just in just dismay right now, and they shut them out. And another one on the road against the Commanders team. Which, which I, I don't think they're a slouch team to play. Like, yeah. This was a good, just all-around performance by the Bills. Like, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it for the Commanders. They played awful. But, like, this, the Commanders are actually... They're going to... They're, I'm not holding them to a playoff win standard. I'm really not. Yeah. But I think that... But you shouldn't. I think they can win seven games this year. I, I with agree. With Sam Howell. I agree. Like, I, I'm tr- I just want Sam Howell to have a good, productive year. So that they can think about just keeping it. fix that O-line. They're going to protect him to allow him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just dominated that game. Defense is looking as stout as ever. Top five defense, maybe even top three. James Cook is being productive and efficient in the run game, and that's always been an issue with them. And Josh Allen just flipped a switch after that week one game and just hasn't turned the ball over since, I don't think. No, he did. He threw he, a pick he in that game. He threw a pick in this game? Okay. Threw a punt. Threw a punt. Okay, so yeah, he's still doing that, but he looked great the week before against Las Vegas, and this is still a really good Washington commander's defense. Um, but for the most part, did look really good minus that punt, um, just from watching the highlights, and that's why I got them at five. Respectable. Just, just moving up two spots. My top five is the same from last week, minus um, Buffalo and Dallas switching out of there. Um, number four, I got the Philadelphia Eagles, and that didn't change for me from last week. They're sitting right at four for me still. Looked a lot better in my opinion than they did the couple weeks prior. That run game is formidable and a issue. Especially when Jalen Hurts isn't playing like himself or like he was last year. Which a lot of people will say they expected this, but it just shows how good of a team they are that they're able to adapt to their weaknesses and play to their strengths. Because they're, t- like, honestly, I feel like defensive def- defenses around the league definitely were put on notice with Jalen Hurts last year, obviously. And they're kind of taking away those, like, over the top in routes, like, exactly. in between the numbers. And that's and where I see still, them throw picks. And they're still punching them in the mouth even though they're taking that away. That's what they did to Minnesota. They took away those big plays, and they just ran for over 260-plus yards on them. Tampa did the same thing. Also got a pick on Jalen Hurts, and they just ran all over them. And that's a very good front seven for Tampa as well. Vitavea is a all-pro. He is. He, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Very underrated as well. When you have Aaron Donald and Chris Jones playing at that same position, kind of gets overshadowed by that, but Vita Vera is a very, very good defensive tackle, like you did say. Number three, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we'll touch on that game against the Bears, really not much to touch on, uh, but they're also in the same spot as last week. Then I have Miami jumping up to number two in this week, and they're interchangeable with my team at number one, which is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, how do you not put Miami at one when they just scored 70 points? I'm more so just basing it off. If San Fran and Miami play right now, I think San Fran does win that game. Which I would be really, really interested to see that. And it's a toss up. I mean, if it comes to shootout, you would kind of favor Miami in that game. But I just, 
I think that defense in San Fran is just too good. But, like, and it's also low-key the same thing that the Dolphins had. They're Mike McDaniels, man, they're both from the 49ers. Yeah, like, it is. So you might even lean to give Miami more of an edge in that. But I just right now I think San Fran is more of a complete team. And I think they would be able to limit that shootout against Miami. But I could also see the maestro and Mike McDaniels just steaming something up to beat that. Yeah. Um, but Brock Purdy is not a quarterback that's going to lose your games. You still have Christian McCaffrey, which, yes, Moster and Achan both combined for like 500 yards of offense and five touchdowns against the Broncos. But they're no CMC and Christian McCaffrey and what the X factor he is for that offense. He has like 13 games in a row with a touchdown, including regular season and playoffs, dating back to last year. He's going insane. And you also have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle on the offensive side. Yeah. You got Fred Warner, Nick Bosa on the defense. Clellan Farrell, who's also a former number one pick. You have Eric Armstead on the same defensive line. You also, don't forget, signed Javon Hargrave from the Eagles last year. Like, I'm, And I'm still going to take that in that pass rush, getting the Tua, and maybe even knocking him out of the game in a sense like that. So that's what I'm sort of putting San Fran over Miami, but they're really interchangeable, honestly, at one and two. I that, agree. That rounds out my week three power makings. Well, definitely, you know, it. we definitely have... Um... All of our power rankings out now, so if you guys want to listen to the power rankings episode from last night or that we just already have posted a couple episodes prior, and obviously we can't leave the homies out that want to be a part of it, so Brandon, thanks for giving us your power rankings. Um, And we definitely are going to be going over every single matchup that happened in week three. We have a lot to get into. A couple games that we'll just kind of breeze over a little bit. Um, We've kind of touched up on enough on the pod. Obviously, I want your thoughts on the Giants Thursday night matchup against the San Francisco 49ers in San Fran. But we did do a post-game episode, Logan and I did. Mm-hmm. We spoke very objectively, even as a Giants fan. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, I touched up on it. We knew what was going to happen. You know, we all kind of knew. Um, there was some good, good bright spots that I'd like to actually you know, shout out from this game that I have some notes on. But um, McCaffrey, what a what a fucking game, just as usual. Um, and they're also utilizing Elijah Mitchell, you know, to alleviate stress off of Christian McCaffrey, that's which my, I like. Uh, that's that's my, what's the word? I guess just my secret stash in fantasy right now. Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell drafted him in all my leagues. Not saying I ever want to see a guy get hurt, but more so banking on like a CMC injury or just. Uh, load management type of thing and whenever Elijah Mitchell's in there that offense he just fucking pops off for some reason dude he does um another thing I did write down was Ronnie Bell was a standout in this San Francisco game he made a great special teams tackle on a punt and then he came out and had a phenomenal catch for a touchdown first career catch too it was beautiful it was like damn what a story in one game um and then for the Giants their offense didn't really show anything special nothing at all yeah honestly nothing but the Giants' defense, they fought as hard as they could in this game, and I saw it. Despite the score, they did fight hard. Um, they were trying to hit those gaps. They were trying to get to that second level and create pressure. But the front four for the Giants were just not getting home. Mm. But a, a guy that stood out to me on that Giants' defense who I'd love to, you know, Logan's going to be happy I'm mentioning him, is Micah McFadden. Uh, the linebacker, he he was all over. Four tackles for a loss. Yeah, I, he he was he was everywhere, and, and and a guy that you know he reminds me of Malcolm Rodriguez, mm. a little bigger and more athletic looking, 
But he just, you know, he did miss a few assignments, I will say. But this is a guy that you could utilize as a stability piece on that defense. You know, use him like an Alex Anzalone or a Malcolm Rodriguez to keep that linebacking core steady because if there's one thing that needs to be consistent, that's it. That's the group that you want to be, you know, that's your communication level, you know, mm-hmm. from back to front. you got to keep that stout and, and smart, honestly. And he was playing really smart ball, making really nice tackles. Um, and, and genuinely a really good game for him despite the 30 point um, the 30 points the 49ers did put up on that defense but Brandon what were your initial thoughts on this game just give us a little rundown in your opinion um, nothing that really shocked me about this game at all I expected San Fran to win this handily they covered the spread at 10 and a half as well I really hope nobody bet the under on this game or the over I'm sorry which was 43 and a half as it ended at 42 <sighs> that would have been a heartbreaker but um San Fran did score 30 points in all three games so far this year. I predicted they'd score 30 again, and I hit that right on the nail, so that was good for me. But other than that, one thing that did catch my eye was the 441 total yards of offense for San Fran and only 150 for the New York Giants. I expected something like that, but not that extreme. I mean, they had four times the amount of offense that they did pretty much. Yeah. And that's bad. No, but the NFL, that should not be happening. (laughs) This <laughs> shouldn't. But at the same time, are we really surprised? No. Um, Tavon Thibodeau, he had a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a, a quarterback hit as well. So shout out to him. You'd like, you'd like to see some of the individual performances based off sort of what you were saying as well with Michael McFadden from the defensive side of the ball for the Giants. So if there is a positive, that's all you really have as a positive for a Giants fan. But, I mean, the offense just continues to look like a shell of itself. But it's also against a very, very good defense. And going into a matchup next week, if you're a Giants fan, against the Seahawks, still a very good defense. Like, I know you're high on, but not as good as the San Fran defense. So they should definitely have a lot better chance to really showcase themselves and really prove to us as spectators, as Giants fans, if you're one of those that, all right, this team can actually compete or is this season just going to be a dud and we just paid this guy all this money for no fucking reason? Facts. You know? Facts. But, that, I mean, other than that, like I said, nothing surprised me about this game. Pretty much went the exact way I thought it would go and not much else to it. I'm, yeah, it was kind of like the primetime games this year have kind of been a little weak so far, um, besides week one. But yeah, it, it's been, hopefully they, they get a little better. Um, but the first matchup, not first, but, you know, on, um, gosh, uh, the NFL's national website, I'm just reading off the games in, in the list format, but the Denver Broncos went in and will travel down south to take on the Miami Dolphins, uh, and... I think it was in Denver, actually. What says at Miami? Oh, yeah, was it? Okay. Um, my so, bad, my bad. No, you're good. Um... But it, we all know the score here. Denver went in there and lost by 50 points. They only scored 20. They, the Dolphins scored 70 points. Final score 70 to 20. The Dolphins are now 3-0. and Broncos are now 0-3. Sean Payton, you know, part of the most, one of the most historically embarrassing losses of all time, which is something I didn't expect to see this year. The Broncos just looked terrible on defense. They couldn't really do much on offense to catch up or even keep pace with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are on a completely different stage than than Denver right now. And if you're a Broncos fan, I would put the jersey in the closet for the year and you know just probably wish for better days because I'm not sure that you're going to see any this year. This is a team that's going to be having a you know top five pick in my opinion. I, they're they're utter trash. 
But how about yourself, Brandon? What are your thoughts on this game? All I have to say is karma for Sean Payton. Came into the team this offseason talking all this shit about Daniel Hackett and Russell Wilson needs to stop kissing babies and just being an absolute D-bag in a way. And now they're just getting blown out week after week. Well, they lost by one point week one. And, but, I mean, you just lose 50 points, lose by 50 points, and you let the team put up 70 and could have set the all-time record with 73 if the coach would have said fuck it and get the field goal. I mean, when the third quarter ended, it was still 49 to, like, 10 or something like that, and they still put up 21 more points in the fourth <laughs> quarter while they were already up by 30. Like, where's the fight from your team? That just really shows you that with how bad that I have it as a Bears fan, there's still people out there that have it almost as bad, if not as bad. So it makes me feel a little bit better about myself, and at least we didn't lose by 50 points yeah. as a Bears fan, you know? Um Devonta Kane, all I have to say is that I dropped him in fantasy before this week, and then he went and put up 50 points, over 200 yards rushing, four total touchdowns. Raheem Mostert had four total touchdowns as well. It was just insane what Mike McDaniels and that Dolphins offense was doing to that Denver Broncos defense. Tua was 23 for 26, 309 yards, four touchdowns. And there's really not much else to say about this game. Just absolute, utter embarrassment to the team, the players, the organization, and just the NFL as a whole, honestly. Like, that's how bad this was. I refreshed it thinking it was a joke, but it wasn't. Um, but the next game on Sunday, the New England Patriots traveled to MetLife to take on the New York Jets. Uh, the Patriots won 15-10 to against a really good Jets defense. But again, Zach Wilson, just, I, dude, I think he at half he was like 5 of 10 for 32 yards. Um, I don't know what the final sideline line for him was, but all that I know is that the guy you dropped... He has more offensive yards than, than Zach Wilson does on the season. Yep, 18 for 36, 157 yards for Zach Wilson. <laughs> 50% completion. How is he on the field? Dalvin Cook only had 8 carries, 18 yards. This was just a very shitty game for the Jets. I mean, What happened to Dalvin Cook? Like, the running well, backs no, just go to New York to die? That, and there's just no offensive line, and nobody even just wants to play right now on that Jets team. I mean, Brees Hall only had 12 carries for 18 yards as well. Well, it's good. They brought in Trevor Simeon and, and Tim Boyle. Yeah, but why didn't you do that two weeks ago when the thing first happened? Why Dude. did it take you two weeks to sign Trevor Simeon? Honestly, bro, like I called for it on the pod. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm calling Carson Wentz. Like, you I don't need think it's going to happen, but no, I, I, I would know. like to see it happen. Just have him an attempt of revival. Like, a serious, like, just a last hoorah. Yeah. You know, like, fuck it. This guy has seen the field more, has had better days than Zach has. Why not? I know it's a bold take, but they need to bring in someone. I mean, as far as the options that are up there, he's up there with the best, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You see uh, Colin Kaepernick's letter that he sent to the Jets? Mm. Jay Cole posted it on Instagram last night. And Kaepernick sent a letter to uh, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, pretty much just sending an offer to like get a chance to be on like the practice squad and just help with that side of things. And if for whatever yeah. reason they need him to step in and he's their guy or something, said he's still working out day in and day out, has been for the last six years, this and that. You'll you have to go check it out. It's definitely out there. But I mean, no, I think I, I saw that. I'm just not. I don't know if I would have hope in it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. It'd just be something that the Jets do for PR at that point. But, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott had five yards of carry, was the best player for the Patriots that day. But, I mean, overall, just a game that nobody really wanted to watch or did watch, I'd imagine. And a, a game that I did say that if the Jets lose this, then it's over for them. And that's what's happening now. 
<laughs> the next game was the Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Houston Texans won 37-17. to uh, The Houston Texans improved to 1-2. and two. The Jaguars fall to 1-2. and two. Uh, This is a game we definitely thought, you know, you know, there could be an upset. I know me and you were talking about it last week on the pod, but um, the Jacksonville Jaguars really stuttered in the first half on offense, and Trevor Lawrence just really... I don't know what's going on schematically. It's just really not working out like last year. No, it's not. Um, but the Houston Texans came out with a fucking urgency. And, and C.J. Stroud throwing over 40 times again, I believe. I think it was 44. Only, only had 30 this time. Okay, only 30? Yeah. Which they might have found a perfect sweet spot there. Like, you know, we're trying to, like, range in where he might be the most efficient. And it's showcased, man. He had his best game. Tank yeah. Dell went off. Five catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, bro, Picked you don't... Him up in fantasy, too. Bro, you don't just... You don't do that against the Jags' defense. That's a good defense. Yeah. Like, and and I mean, he did it. So just drive was 20 for 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, average nine yards a care, uh, or completion. And one thing that did catch my eye, though, is that they did this without having really any run game. And Damian Pierce got a touchdown, but was just non-existent once again. Oh, trust me, I know. Week. <laughs> 2.2 <laughs> yards a carry. Um, but... This, this is going to be a team to look out for. I predicted it last week. This was going to be C.J. Stroud and the Texans welcoming party to the NFL and where he's going to put the lead on notice, his division on notice, that's for sure. And it just added more fuel to the suspense of seeing C.J. Stroud and Trevor Lawrence in this division and the quarterback matchups that we're going to be able to see for the foreseeable future. Um, Travis Etienne had a very good game as well. Evan Ingram led the team in targets and catches. Christian Kirk had another good game followed up after last week. Calvin Ridley's had two very pedestrian and silent games after bursting into the scene week one. Mm. Um, but they go into a matchup next week against Atlanta, against his former team. Like I said earlier, very good pass defense, but uh, I think that's going to be a game where Ridley sort of gets uh, gets some revenge and has, pops off for a big game. I'm saying that just for my fantasy sake as well. No, but I think he'll get a touchdown because that suspension was bullshit. Yeah. And shout out to Calvin Ridley for sticking to it and just sticking to his craft and Getting back into the NFL and doing his thing. But yeah, other than that, I just want to give a huge shout out to CJ Stroud, the Texas team in general, Demetrio Ryan's, for coming through, getting a win against a divisional opponent that a lot of people said we're going to win this division and coast through this division this year. With, uh, let me preface, a makeshift O line in this game. Yes. They had like five of their starting alignment Zero sacks. Out. Zero sacks given up. And that's coaching. And that's, that's coaching, the, that's bro. That's with the front seven with Josh Allen running at you as well. And, and not even that, but you have the first overall pick a, a couple years ago, oh, Trayvon, yeah, Trayvon Walker. Walker. Where well, was I he? Haven't, I haven't heard about him since he got drafted. Yeah, I, I haven't either, honestly. I, and honestly, that might be an issue going forward, but I just think that this this might be one of the most like you know panic button-y kind of games of the weekend. Mm. I'm still high on the Jags, don't get I me wrong, too. but I think that they low-key just got exposed. Yeah, they and just got to figure it out offensively. And obviously defensively as well, which I mean it's easier said than done. But I'm with you on them being and exposed. I, I argue, potentially the best, the better of all four coaches, defensively minded wise, in D'Amico Ryan's in that division, is gonna put them all on notice, bro. I agree. So we'll see. We'll see with that going forward. But um, the next game was the Tennessee Titans taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Cleveland improves to two and one. They won twenty-seven to three. Titans fall to one and two. There's dog shit. Uh, they're my 32 ranked team. Oh wow. Yeah, no, I have no faith in them. Ryan Tannehill. Oh, wow. I think oh, he had another you three. Put them below the Bears. I did actually. Oh wow. Yeah, no, I have more faith in the Bears winning a game than I do the Titans. Well, something has to give this weekend when they play the Broncos. But uh, 
Tannehill, what were his stats again? 13 for 25, 104 yards. How many picks? None. Just, oh my god. What were the turnovers like? Only one turnover from Cleveland, and it was a fumble. So, I mean, Tennessee didn't even turn the ball over. They just couldn't move the ball or execute. I mean, Derrick Henry only had 11 carries for 20 yards. What are um, Ryan Tannehill's stats on the season, if you don't mind? Oh, Jesus. Ass. 548 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, a QBR of 27.9, which is ranked 32nd in all of football. Yep, that's about right. Only has 59% completion. How is he? How is he starting? I, I don't know. When are they going to pull the trigger? I want to see Will Levis start. I really do. Yeah, fuck it. Why he not? has weapons at his disposal. He really does. But this was just an absolute debacle of a game for the Titans. Nothing just went right for them. They had, gave up five sacks. They just once again, Jeff, Jim Schwartz just really schematically bent over the other team and spanked him in the bunga. I mean, honestly, that's what happened. Miles Garrett making an impact on the stat line again with three and a half sacks. Three tackles for a loss, and it's just week in and week out. He continues to show why he's a premier defensive player in all of football. Oh, he has been for him time. and TJ might be up for DPOY right now. Um, Brady five just five quarterback. Picks. Brady just popped into the scene here, uh, briefly. briefly, as he states. But uh, no, I mean, the, the, like you said, Brandon, they couldn't do anything schematically against this defense. But you know, Brady, while we have you, real quick. Um, we're about to hop into this next game. Um, uh, the Atlanta Falcons traveled to Detroit and took on the Detroit Lions. Um, the Lions improved to two and one. Falcons still are at two and one, but they only scored six points in this game. They lost twenty to six. Brady, real quick before you go, initial thoughts on that game? What were, what were you thinking? Yeah, I I didn't watch much of this game, but honestly, like from the Fal- Falcons were looking red hot coming into this game. And only getting six points out of it. I mean, it looks great for the Lions defense. It looks good on the Lions part. But for the Falcons, that's obviously not what you want, you know. No, not at all. What were your thoughts on their, like, rush attack only getting 45 yards collectively? I mean, that's supposed to be their bread and butter. That's supposed to be their main component of their off of their team, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you drafted running back and with a six pick. I mean, that's what you're expecting. You're expecting 100 yards, 120 yards out a game. Especially when you have Algier and... All these guys that have to come together, but obviously it didn't happen, and that's why you get the loss out of this one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We were. They also got exposed in a way that if, for whatever reason, it does happen when that running game gets shut down, they're going to have to win through the air, and that's something that they're not going to be able to do with Desmond Ritter at the helm, I don't think. Not right now. I, I think there's upside with Desmond Ritter, though. Because they I have really the weapons. Do. They really do. The receiver's still a little bit lackluster. Drake London's good, but he's. I don't know if he's a true number one yet. Still inconsistent. He has no one else really beside him. Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. That's really it. Then Bijan coming out of the backfield as well. But they they have the weapons. But I mean, when it comes to this, when that run game does get shut down, which would only happen once every probably eight games, which is only going to happen like twice, three times a season, you know. Yeah. We're not going to see a lot of games like this, let alone from Bijan Robinson as an individual, but the whole team. And. When it comes down to it, they're going to need to be able to win through the air with Desmond Ritter, and they just weren't able to do it. And shout out to Jared Goff. Had a pedestrian game, but a good game. And he still led his team to victory. Had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. I believe the only two touchdowns of the game. And they had two field goals as well. First rushing uh, touchdown is a Detroit line. That's awesome. <laughs> Jameer Gibbs had a lot more carries. I think he's 17 for 80, which is good. A lot more involvement. David Montgomery's banged up again a little bit, I he believe. He was out. 
Um, Jameer Gibbs averaged 4.7 a carry. Yep, still no touchdowns yet for him, which is only a matter of time. We'll see Thursday night. I'm actually trying to make a trade for him in fantasy as we speak before <laughs> that Thursday night game. Um, against the Packers, which I'm rooting for the Lions heavily in that game. Yes, sir. And Go Lions. But other than that, yeah, I said that if they were going to be able to contain Bijan, then they would win this game outright. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. And the Lions show why, once again, they're a team to be worried about, at least in this division. I agree. I agree. Um, and then the next game was a massive letdown for a lot of people. Um, Mainly yourself, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, for, for are, my... Are you talking about... Oh, I think I skipped over one. My bad. I'll oh, no, the Saints game. Yeah, I skipped over one. They were up 17-0. Yeah. Derek Carr goes out, then Jameis Winston comes in. They punt the ball <laughs> seven straight times, and uh, they give the Packers the win. Yeah, we give, we get to see the Packers win. And right after, I was just harping all over Jordan Love for not being able to win in crunch time and make the plays that was needed. Still did nothing that like really impressed me yeah, and changed they, they my made mind. It easy for him. Yeah, I, I I was impressed by him. Yeah, I was. I like to see him in exactly that role, and making he, plays, but still only fifty percent completion. A little bit less efficient than we've seen out of him the first two weeks. Yeah, but yeah, he was he was making some really questionable throws in the first half. I don't know if you guys saw the play where he. They try to do that reverse, and they threw it back to him, and he like stumbled into the splits and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> then um, my buddy. Chapo, shout out to him, actually said, I sent that video to him, I was talking some shit, because he's a Packers fan, he was like, still more accurate than your quarterback in a clean pocket, talking about Justin Fields or something like that, and then the very next play, Jordan Love had a three clean pocket, and I think threw his pick of the game, so he <laughs> is worse pretty fast, which was nice to see, but, I mean, you're up 17 nothing heading into the um, the the fourth quarter, you Yeah. Know? And you give up 18 to the Packers. Like, come on, man. You can't let that happen. And but Jordan Love did what he needed to do, made the plays, um, scored two touchdowns in the last seven minutes to surpass them and win that game at one point. But, I mean, anytime the Packers win, I'm going to be a little bit pissed off. But they, <laughs> they should not have won that game. But shout-out to them for coming back and doing it. Without Aaron Jones, once again, um, Jordan Love is actually their leading rusher with 39 yards in that game. But, yeah, Derek Carr going out kind of just – put the nail in the coffin for the Saints in this game, which is unfortunate. It really is, but it's the NFL, you know. It, it really is. Um, and honestly, this was a tough game for me to watch because it was a lot of sloppy football all around. Oh, yeah. And the Saints handed the Packers this win on a fucking platter. But, um, you know, shout out to Jordan Love for getting the comeback and Sam Poise and at least making the throws when he needed to do it. Um, but, you know, when he gets a lot of these other guys in, in the offense, like Bakhtiari and Watson, you know, it could be a, an Aaron Jones and stuff. Like, it could be a very dangerous offense. So I'm going to be looking out for this team still going forward. But the Saints, they, they just need to – I don't know. I don't know what they need to do. They probably Kamara, just stop. They get Kamara coming back this coming week. But I think Winston will be getting the start. So It's got to be him or Taysom. And it's against Tampa Bay this week, so we'll see. Which is a divisional game. Winston diced them up last time they played the Bucks, so we'll see. We'll see indeed. And the next game was the Buffalo Bills traveling into Washington and taking on the Commanders and dominating them 37-3. to Both teams stand at 2-1 now, but uh, the Bills dominated this game on every aspect and every level. Uh, Sam Howell, four picks. Um, he got sacked a, f- a hell of a amount of times. He's, he's up to 19 sacks in three games. Um, he had a rough game. That's like nine lie. times to be exact. Nine times in, one, in game. one game. That's not okay for any NFL organization. You can't keep your quarterback safe. He's seeing ghosts out there. He's seeing the j- he's getting the jitters, and 
with that pass rush just dominating your O-line, I mean, what, what are you supposed to develop with even the quick pass game, the short pass game, play action? You can't get anything done. It just eliminates legitimately every aspect of your offense and takes a lot out of your entire team, you know, energy-wise. And the Buffalo Bills took advantage of that. And you know, Josh Allen didn't have a great game, but, on you know, he had some good plays on his feet. Um, and they still just were able to win handedly, but it was mainly the defense just showing up and showing out for sure. Yeah, I agree. And even though they did win this game 37-3, it doesn't really change my perspective a whole lot on this Bills team. Josh Allen still did throw up a punt. One thing that did catch my eye, James Cook continues to look good. Had over six yards per carry. But, I mean, another thing that also caught my eye is, so Stephon Diggs had eight receptions. No one else, and there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other Bills players that caught passes. No one else had more than two catches. Wow. So, and that, that, that does sort of raise a little bit of concern when it comes down to the end of the season in these big games against these AFC opponents and playoff time, you're gonna be have to you're gonna have to be able to spread the ball around more efficiently than that. And the fact that they had I mean, they still did get four turnovers and they won this game by thirty four points. But I mean just looking at the offensive side of the ball and the stat line, it's not anything that really blows you away with this Bills team. And it makes you worry just a little a little bit more as far as that goes, but I mean at this point, you're, I'm just nitpicking at a 37-3 win. Um, I know you probably was was a little bit shocked about the outcome of this game. I was. Um, I actually chose the Commanders to win this game. Yeah, because you were. It was a six and a half spread or five point spread. I'm sorry for in Buffalo's favor coming in to Washington, and I know you were blown away by that. Um, but I now see that it was yeah. pretty <laughs> fucking accurate. But, um, uh, I want to I ask you though, how long? So let me ask you this, actually. So come. Week five, the Bears come into Washington, I believe. I, I, I forget whether it's in Washington or in Chicago, but the Bears are playing in Washington in week five on the Thursday night game. If Washington loses week four, which happens to be against the Eagles, which, I mean, yeah, they're gonna goes lose without saying, they're going to lose that game. Yeah. So if they come in to week five, and they are at home against the Bears, and they lose to the Bears... Are you still going to be as high on this team and Sam Howell as you were? Not on the team, but like at least I want to see. I don't want to see Sam Howell being the re- like. I don't like me. I don't. Yeah, you're more see so him. on on Sam Howell's like case productiveness and, and rather like, than you are the team. As yeah, because well. Ron Rivera is probably going to get fired, and they're probably just going to elevate Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, he didn't even know that his team was in playoff contention last year. Yeah, which was a joke. Um, but Eric Bieniemy is probably going to take Helm, but he. The offense couldn't get anything done because simply that defensive roster just is insane. I mean, nine sacks. Nine sacks says it all. That's all you have to really say, plus the four picks. The defense for the Buffalo Bills is a a massive X factor for that unit and the whole team in general. They're going to be winning them games all year. But... um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to maintain my pace on Sam Howell. I, I'm eating my words, though. I was completely wrong about this game. They got exposed heavy. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. only had, like, fucking 50 yards, bro. Like, he, he didn't do much on the ground. They still ran for 170 yards as a team, which... You know, probably as a you know, nice little uh, Ant- Antonio Gibson Jr. and stuff like that. And I don't know who else was carrying, but... I want to see more out of their pass attack, obviously, but they don't have the protection to be able to elevate that, you know. And Sam Howell has an arm, bro. 
does. He, he does have a big arm. He can drop dimes in, but he just has to have that that protection, and you know, and, and hopefully we'll get that for him because he's still a very young quarterback. So he still has time, and you know, hopefully some patience within the organization to develop and grow with his young receivers like Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is still a Pro Bowler, potentially All Pro. He just needs a quarterback that can get him the ball so he can really show what he really is. And mm. that's, a, that's a true dog. That's who I think Amon Ra reminds me about, like of the most in this league. So I, I have a lot of respect for Terry McLaurin's craft. But the next game on Sunday was the Los Angeles Chargers taking the 28-24 victory over the Vikings at Minnesota. Vikings fall to 0-3. Chargers go up to 1-2. Save their season here potentially for yeah. one week. Um, but we'll see. As, as much as Brandon Staley tried to end their season for them give it away yeah but uh you know justin herbert probably mvp candidate right now 40 for 47 400 yards and three touchdowns yeah he went Hell off of a game justin Hell jefferson game. also went off but they just couldn't they couldn't seal yeah, the deal well not as much as keenan allen did though facts 18 catches 215 yards for keenan allen one <laughs> pass and one completion for 49 yards and a touchdown as well yeah, he went off too. Fucking crazy! What a game for him, man. He's just doing better than he was last year, and a lot of people sort of write him off because his injuries and this and that. But I mean, performed really good last year. Performed even better so far to start this season. Mike Williams had a great game. Ended up tearing his ACL and out for the season, which you just really hate to see because that's just it's awful. year in and year in, year in and year out for him. Injury problems, unfortunately, and he's he's a top fifteen, top twenty receiver in my mind. When he's fully healthy and playing at his full potential, dude, he's just hard to stop. He's so fast. He's so strong. So athletic. Has really good hands as well. And he himself had seven catches, 121 yards, and touchdown. But without him now, Austin Eckler is having his injury issues. It just it really does suck being a Chargers fan. And they once again were not able to get anything going on the run on the run game with Austin Eckler out of there. Um, to the demise of my fantasy team as well, having Joshua Kelly trying to back up. My injured Austin Eckler as well. Um, but back-to-back weeks just did nothing. They put the ball on the ground four times, only lost one fumble, which is crazy. When you put on the ground that many times, you only lose one of them. So that's just, once again, the Vikings just not capitalizing on those small little nuances within the, the game. Yeah. Game in and game out throughout the season so far. That, that they were last year, that led them to that 11-0 or 11-1 record in close games, whatever it was. It was 11-0. Yeah, now they're 0-3 in all one-score games, all to their own demise. I mean, they were literally handed a perfect opportunity to win that game with Brandon Staley going for it on 4th and 1 on your own 26 or some shit like that and getting stuffed under two minutes. No execution. Like, what are you, but like, what are you even thinking with that? Like, I don't see any reason why I would get <laughs> on board with calling that there. And as Justin Herbert, I would, I would just want him to say, fuck it. We're not doing that. And just refuse to go out on the field and just send the punter out there. Yeah, just, get the punter. <laughs> or just punt it yourself down the field. I don't know, dude. Drop like, kick it like Tom I Brady just, did. I would not do that shit. Kirk Cousins, with another fantasy-wise a good game, did turn the ball over. Had that pick there at the end, which was just a very, very just heartbreaking pick. Had in receivers and has got tipped around two other times. And Kenneth Murray, the linebacker for Los Angeles, um, dive in and getting his hands on it. But just another heartbreaking way for them to lose it lose the game again. Another great game for Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison, all his production came in the second half. DJ Hawkinson produced as well again, but that's nothing new for us in that Vikings offense. And just once again, they blow a one-score game. As usual. Um, and this was probably worse than the other ones. It, it was. One it, thing that did catch my eye, though, is that they both had 475 total yards of offense, and they both had 11 total drives. 
very equal. So maybe one of these teams, both of them might might deserve to be 0 and 3. Yeah. <laughs> but something had to give, just like we'll see in this coming weekend with that Bears and Broncos game, unless it ties, which I wouldn't be surprised either, man. Facts. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I would not be surprised if it's a tie. But um, the next game that we have to discuss is the Indianapolis Colts going into Baltimore and taking on the Ravens. They won in overtime, 22 to 19. The Ravens fall to two and one. The Colts are now two and one as well. Uh, really awesome game in my opinion. Yeah. Really enjoyed this you game. You called it. I I I think that Minshew mania. I, I didn't even expect Minshew to win this game. I said if AR is in, they're gonna win. But yeah. you know Minshew came in and did it for himself. And you know I think AR is gonna be back this weekend. And I think this team's ready to go, man. I really do. I wonder how many people took that seven and a half line from Baltimore too. Yeah. Whew. I mean Lamar Jackson, fourteen carries, one hundred one yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Didn't do anything through the air, pretty much. Say Flowers with another eight catches, only forty eight yards, but they shut him down in that big playability and. I don't know, man. I didn't really watch this game or get to catch much of the highlights, but they just stayed in it. Matt Gay was pretty much the MVP of the Colts this game. And our fantasy league with the scoring we have had like 40 fucking points, <laughs> um, which is crazy. Um, Minshew Mania had his Darren Olofsky moment and still won the game. Indeed. Um, but, I mean, the Colts didn't even have a second-half touchdown. They had three field goals in the field goal in overtime, and that's how they beat the Ravens. So the Ravens just couldn't execute. So shout-out to the Colts defense for that. Um, the Ravens also had two turnovers, which was the difference in this game. The Colts controlled the time of possession. So, I mean, shout out to the Colts. They did what they needed to do. Well-coached game by Shane Steichen, which, I mean, shout out to him, man. He's 2-1 and one with his team. And, honestly, I was questioning the hire a little bit. Yeah. Bringing in a defensive-minded coach when you had AR-15 being drafted in there. And I saw, I know that all too well with the Bears and how they run things with their coaches and quarterback combinations. So I, I wasn't really that high on them, especially the whole Jonathan Taylor situation. They're doing this all without him. He, reports are he still wants to be out of Indianapolis when he comes back. There's still been no talks of any type of long-term extension or anything like that. But, I mean, they don't really have the best weapons on offense. Michael Pittman Jr. is a true number one, in my opinion. Uh, Josh Downs is solid. He's making plays when he needs to, but still a rookie. He has to come into his own. But other than that, there's I don't really know any other receivers on Alex the team. Pierce. Shout out to him. I did pick him up in fantasy a couple weeks last year, and he produced some 14, 15-point games for me. But, I mean... He's getting, he's, like, four now. Yeah, he's, like, a solid wide receiver three or four that yeah. you would have in that position. But, I mean, I think he's, what, wide receiver two for the Colts? I think so, too, or slot or something yeah. like that. Um, but, no, like, they definitely have upside. And, like you said, their kicker kind of is the MVP of the game for sure. Matt Gay. Matt Gay. Um... But let's get into this next game. The Carolina Panthers travel into Seattle and take on the Seattle Seahawks, who improved to 2-1. The Panthers fall to 0-3 in their 27-37 loss. Second week in a row that Seattle Seahawks scored 37 points. Their offense is exploding. Tavon Austin actually just got to work out. Oh, maybe yeah. might uh, work out and maybe uh, get signed and I'll, play with his former college QB. I'll tell you what, though. They needed that. The Seahawks did after that week one performance, back-to-back weeks where their offense sort of erupted. More so in the second half for them in this game. Kenneth Walker sort of just did it himself. Two mm. second-half touchdowns. Um, Geno Smith had his touchdown late in the fourth quarter as well to put him up. Um, or not, not put him up, put him, put it away pretty much. Um, Shout-out to Adam Thielen, though. He had a resurgence type of game. 11 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Geno Smith didn't, didn't, do, didn't do anything crazy. Um, the fact that Andy Dalton threw the ball 58 times, though, is fucking crazy. Shout-out <laughs> to him for that. I know his arm's hurting, but... Oh, he's more, sore. A lot more life from that Panthers offense. DJ Chark had a big touchdown reception as well. 
Jonathan Mingo continues to sort of be involved, sort of trying to find his way still. Yeah. Other than that, though, I didn't really get much of this game. Brian Birds had a good game on the defensive side of the ball for Carolina, three tackles for a loss and a sack. Um, but yeah, my main takeaway is Kenneth Walker finally bursted back onto the scene the way he was last year. So I was happy to see that. And I know you were happy to see that as well as far as fantasy-wise, even though you still lost to a kicker putting up 30 points. I, I'm going to keep getting reminded of that probably from all me, the boys. And me making a trade. <laughs> but, I mean, no one's really said anything but me until now. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigwood did go silent. So did Tyler Lockett in this game, which is kind of, kind of unfortunate. But the fact that they still scored 37 points with two other three receivers and main weapons not really being involved, good for them. But other than that, I was kind of surprised that they put up 27 points on Seattle in that defense. I know that's a defense you're high about. I mean, but, um, honestly, if you actually look at, um, I forget what the stat was, I think um, the most allowing the most 300-yard passers, I think is Seattle. Oh, wow. Like, uh, me and Logan were and talking about it. That's shocking with the individual players that they have on that secondary, too, with that back end, Jamal Adams, Kobe Bryant, Devon Witherspoon. Because uh, Goff had damn near 350 Tariq, on him. Tariq Wollin, yeah, he did. And it's that's why you know Logan was talking about you know on the other pod um, last night the power rankings episode uh, he's starting Daniel Jones for that reason they pl- allowed like yeah, three they consecutive play, they play Monday night yeah which I, that's going to be an interesting game that we'll definitely get into in our prediction segment after we're done wrapping up these uh, recaps we'll get into the over unders we'll get into all that good stuff for everyone but uh, the next game we can talk about and I know you're going to probably cover this a lot more in depth. Um, you know, later on in the week on Windy City Reports, and I already have on the on the seventh episode that just came out. So I'm you sure can definitely check that out. I'm sure that you'll have more to say. You know, regarding yeah. maybe team news and injury updates. Maybe people are coming back. You know, during the week, you, obviously that's when a lot of the news comes out. But regarding this upcoming game that we were we're going to talk about here, um, not upcoming as in it's going to be happening, but it already happened. But the next game on the slate we're talking about is the Chicago Bears falling to zero and three. To the Kansas City Chiefs, who improved to two and one, Chicago took the L in the 10-41 loss against the Chiefs. That was a rough game for them on all fronts. Me as an outsider fan of the Bears, I am I'm worried um, about every level of the game. We there's no consistency with legitimately anything I've seen, like the rush Nothing. attack, like. Man, come on, like Khalil Herbert, someone, like, get something. Just, we had the number one rush attack in all of football last year. A lot of it was due to Justin Fields being second all-time in rushing yards by quarterback, but Khalil Herbert led the lead in yards per carry the year prior. David Montgomery was still there, and that was a great three-headed monster attack, and we've seen nothing like that so need, far. These they need to get weeks. back to it. And Kansas just, you know, for the Swifties, if you will, they, they put up 41 points, and it was a dominating, you know, Game and you said it earlier. They were taking off national television just to play the the, the Arizona Cardinals game. Like why? Yeah. It's a Cardinals game. Like that's not good for the Bears. That's not a good look. And they have a lot going on off the field as well. I hope someone other than Justin Fields can step up. Like someone has to as a leader. Yeah, we just like we don't have it really. And I'm not seeing it. Uh, and the coach Matt Eberflus, I just don't see him. Galvanizing the troops. I don't see it. Maybe he's doing something, you know, with no, the manager. He's not doing shit. I, I, I'm not rather than giving him a reach around or something as to why he still has his job. And it, because I don't see any like fire. Like, where is he running down the sideline? Where is that Sean McVay esque? Like, get your guys hype. They don't care. Where's Dan? Like that Dan can't take a fucking page out of some of these and other this, coaches' books. This is a guy in Matt Eberflus that was the final. So. In the head coach hiring for him, the Bears consulted with Bill Polian, 
long-time NFL name around all of the league. I would have to refresh my memory on exactly. I think it was just an all-time great coach, Hall of Fame coach, but very old school. But they they consulted with him heavily in, the, in their in their head coach search and getting Eberflus, and he was the final candidate that he submitted to them as who he believed in the most. And that's who we went with. And now you see the fruits of our labor, I guess, or not really, but the. That's rough, man, because like yeah. you go off the word of someone very experienced, and you, you're trusting a guy's scheme that hasn't been really tested in the NFL, and it's really showcasing nothing but regression. People like the tape on their offense has been passed around the league like a fucking massive joint, bro. Yeah, and it's it's showing, and and to be out coached like this, and we talked about some of the hilarious Just losses. Week in and week out, dude. They didn't lose hilariously like the the Dolphins, you know, beating the Broncos with a forty nil loss. The Giants took week one, Thank but God. I mean, this is this is damn near close to it. Thirty one points and showing no signs of production on offense regarding the passing game. They have weapons. Yeah. I'm seeing these clips on Twitter slash X. You know, make sure you're following all of our social media platforms at Tea Time Reports, by the way, everyone. But I'm just seeing these no effort plays by Chase Claypool. Tell me your thoughts on some of the offensive output from the the new additions and the guys you guys are, are, are riding on, in a sense. It's, it's hard to really criticize any of the individual players because none of them have really been put in a position to succeed or showcase what they can do. Rather than Chase Claypool, his effort's just been abysmal. He's showing no willingness to actually play with a sense of urgency or just care, honestly. He's getting beat on blocks or just not picking up blocks that are just simple assignments that are blowing up plays, whether it's a screen or just a simple outside zone run. And this is someone that I was high on. I mean, especially being a fighting Irish fan, he was great at Notre Dame, had a great rookie season with Pittsburgh. But if you're someone that Mike Tomlin doesn't want and is trading away, someone who just doesn't trade players, it says a lot about you, and the Bears should have sort of took that into account, especially trading away a first-round pick pretty much for him. Um, our only bright spot on the offense has been DJ Moore when he has been involved. Caught his first touchdown with us. Though he did drop a beautiful, beautiful throw by Justin Fields. One of the best I've seen him make in a Bears jersey over the top in single coverage and was literally right in the bread basket like this. Plays that we've seen DJ Moore make a living out of just go right through his hands and hit his knee. And that just summed up the whole game pretty much. And that was early on. But still made a great one-handed catch later on in the game. So it's just like the, there's no consistency. It's the like only, receivers go there and just get worse. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, Is that like that's a thing though? Like that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, Brandon like, Marshall. Well, Brandon Marshall had a great career at the start with us, but then got worse. Alshon Jeffrey, sort of the same thing. Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, same thing. But then you you gotta look at at least Allen Robinson, who was throwing him the football. I mean, it's been Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky. Jay Cutler was at least throwing the ball to Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall and would actually take shots on the field and had the arm to do it, and that's what sort of they made their and butter with the team. Jay Cutler had an arm, bro. Dude, I, and especially now as a Bears fan in this team. You'd kill for Jay Cutler right now. I would kill for Jay Cutler, and it really makes us realize how much we took for granted Jay Cutler in that team with Martellus Bennett, Matt Forte, Greg Olson, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, like... Those are dogs. Those that was a good team. That's a great offense, dude. It really should have amounted to a lot more. Then we had Julius Peppers, Jared Allen, Lance Bridge, Brian Urlacher, Charles Tillman all on the defensive side of the ball, and we just could never make it amount to anything. Instead you got the wind bike game. And which this just is does that sum up the Bears for you? Well, I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to get I, a genuine reaction. I actually dropped this on the Windy City Reports episode seven episode that just came out today. And it's just a, a ten year recap 
of what it's been being a Bears fan. A couple years have been skipped, but there's still been about eight years that we've experienced something. Uh, 2013 was fourth down to eight. Week 17, Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb, minute left. It was a game for the division title to make the playoffs. Winner was going to the playoffs and taking the NFC North crown. Loser was eliminated and ended the season. And we're winning by like four points. It's fourth and eight at midfield, 46 seconds left. Aaron Rodgers with Jabril, Jabril, Julius Peppers in his face, makes a miss, stampers off to the left, throws a dot to Randall Cobb in the middle <laughs> on a blown coverage, and wins the game, makes the playoffs, ends the Bears season. Wow. 2014 was when Jay Cutler and Aaron Cromer, our offensive coordinator, had their falling out. Um, Aaron Cromer pretty much anonymously called out Jay Cutler for his game management and time management, and it just pretty much just flooded the whole season with controversy and just ruined everything. There was a huge fallout and just pretty much threw that whole season into bed. More off-field stuff. And never gave us a chance to rebound from the year prior in that Randall Cobb touchdown. Um, skip 2015, move on to 2016. We went 3-13. and um, That was also the year that we drafted Kevin White with the seventh overall pick. Do you even know who Kevin White is? I don't. Exactly. Is um, he a running back? He was a receiver out of uh, West Virginia. Had the gap in his teeth. Never played really at all and is already out of the league. 2017 wow. is when we took Mitchell Trubisky over Pat Mahomes and traded up one spot to get a quarterback that was going to be there anyways and gave up another pick. That's when we traded from 3-2 to two with San Fran and took Trubisky at 2. Just makes sense. Oh, a lot of sense. <laughs> um, then 2018 was a double doink in the division title. Oh. Um, 2019-2020 is the whole fallout era with Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy. Um, that just speaks for itself. 2022 last year was 3-14, and 14, and this year is just complete and utter chaos. So that's been the last 10 years of the Bears fan. That's a rough decade of fandom, um, yeah. and but it's not looking any better. No. Sadly. So, uh, yeah, other than that, the only thing I had to take away from this game is that it didn't go the way I expected to. I still thought we were going to lose by like two touchdowns, 14, 17 points, but I thought it was going to be like a... 35 to 21 game, you know, or like 42 to 24, 28. I, I really thought that we were going to put up a lot more of a fight and just let it go offensively. Yeah. yeah. Still hit the over-under on this game, um, so that's something I was recommending to take, and that still hit barely. Um, it was 48 and a half, and the Chiefs scored 41 of it. The Bears got the other 10, thank God. But yeah, other than that, just got to move on to the next one. And the next game, you know, I'm sorry to brush over the bit. I'm sure you're, you're done talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um... <laughs> The Dallas Cowboys travel into Arizona and take on the Arizona Cardinals, um, and they lose sixteen to twenty-eight. The Cardinals improved to one and two, and the Card and the Cowboys fall to two and one. Oh, this game was a joke. Cardinals really came out with an urgency. Jonathan Gannon got his guys right, and shout out to those guys for winning. But they had some fire in their guts. The story of the game is joining the Cowboys' offense stuttering the way it has, and it's it, they haven't really shown much all year. They haven't really had to. And I just genuinely believe Dak Prescott will be that relying like liability. Like he yeah. will always be a liability. So far, he's zero one in games this season where he has to win it himself from behind in the fourth quarter and make those plays. And he can't do it. He just can't. Michael Gallup had a decent game, but I mean they didn't really do much on offense at all. But the Cardinals, I mean, props to those guys. I don't see them winning you know many more games than this, but. They might. They just beat the it's Cowboys. Crazy. They really could be three and zero if they don't get out coached and just fall off in the second half of week one and two. They could genuinely be three and zero, which is crazy to think about. It is crazy. But the Cowboys is that also a tribute to the fact that maybe they suck? Who knows? 
Who knows? Still have a great fucking defense. Great either. defense. It's just Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy are question marks. Very big question marks. But yeah, it was, once again, this was the team that I picked in my survivor pool, being the Dallas Cowboys, and they lost. So that just knocked me out and lost me $50. Overall, this was probably the worst fucking weekend in a long time, being a sports fan in my eyes, at least in my world. I had Notre Dame's loss Saturday night which was just fucking brutal. I mean, you have 10 men on the field in the last two plays of the game. You give up a first down on, like, third and 18. Um, you have an interception go right through your hands. Then move on the next day. The Bears get blown out. The Cowboys lose. I get knocked out of my survivor, survivor league. The Rowdies also lost. The Rowdies also lost. The Rays keep getting injuries right before playoffs. I go to 0-3 in my money league, in my fantasy league, in our league. And I lost in my other two fantasy leagues as well. So overall, it was just a fucking miserable weekend, sports-wise. <laughs> I feel you. Like I'm one and two in both my leagues it's, right now. It's, it's hurting. It's crazy. It was a hurtful weekend. When it, when it rains, of course. <laughs> Definitely does. But the final game of Sunday was the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. And they, the Pittsburgh Steelers take the win, go up to 2-1. and one. The Raiders fall to 1-2. and two. The Steelers won this game 23-18. to 18. A close game, but Kenny Pickett had the best game of his season. The Russia game for the Steelers is still not there, but Jalen Warren had a decent game all around. Um, overall, I think the Steelers are going to have a winning record as usual this year, but the Vegas, the, the Raiders are probably just done, bro. I mean, at this point, it's I just, agree. what are they doing? Josh McDaniels is not it. Jimmy G is not looking like it's it. I had hope, but I just, every week I watch them, I lose more and more hope. Um, but there really wasn't much to take away from this game. It was kind of sluggish the first half, and then it kind of got a little better in the third quarter, but I just didn't really enjoy watching this game. I think I turned it off, like, third quarter, not going to lie. Um, but I'm glad that Kenny Pickett actually showcased his ability as a pocket passer and made some good throws and was efficient, you know, and Najee Harris still needs to really showcase that he can play this game because he hasn't been. Uh, and just overall, it was a coaching malfunction error in, in the final couple minutes of the of this game from the Raiders. They took that field goal instead of trying to go for the touchdown to, to win the fucking game, um, or at least tie it up, but just craziness on, on all fronts, in my opinion. They really had a rough, a rough coached game, another game where the, the superior coach was playing chess and Josh McDaniels was playing checkers while he was you know, drunk as fuck off of absinthe, and he was just saying, fuck it, yeah. Carlson, get and the field goal. The, the Raiders are another one of those teams that just make me feel a little bit better about myself being a Bears fan, but I mean, I don't think anyone really does have it as bad as the Bears do right now. Uh, it's, it's There's a couple teams, but not... It's close. It, it's close, you're right. Um, but there really isn't much to say about this game, in all honesty. Yeah, I don't really have much to say either, it was boring as hell. I thought it was going to be a little bit more high scoring. Um, Steelers did the win again, improving 2-1, and one, and it's just another definition of a Mike Tomlin coach game pretty much and I mean you're at this point you're just taking Mike Tomlin over Josh McDaniels and case in point once again facts I really don't have much else to say about it I didn't really get much of it Josh Jacobs just continues to stutter stutter and be a shell of himself which sucks because there's weapon on this offense Devontae Adams still getting his production but I mean that's Devontae Adams top three receiver that's going to happen other than that they really have nothing else going for them I agree and then on Monday, we had another doubleheader. The Philadelphia Eagles traveled down to Raymond James Stadium to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Eagles pull away with the win, 25-11 against the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks fall to 2-1. The Eagles go to 3-0, one of the three remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. This was a very, very fun game to watch for me, in all honesty. I love watching the Bucks play, and 
they're not my favorite team, but they're the local team, so I always show them love. But my mom and pop, shout out to them. They were going, you know, crazy. My mom was screaming. That's there awesome. were some good plays. She loves DeAndre Swift now, <laughs> but she's she's mainly just more impressed by Jalen Hurts' poise, and she'll probably appreciate me saying that about him. You know that he's just an overall professional, and apparently he was playing with the flu. Oh, wow. So um, just another thing to kind of add on top of that, just a little context. But they did come away with the win. The Bucks honestly played better than I thought they would on defense. I think that this was a respectable performance by the Bucks, and you know Baker with that crazy throw to Mike Evans with that crazy catch, or just brought me back to the Odell thought. Yeah, I'm like, damn, through the middle of the field. He had to like contort his body, yeah. slow himself down crazy, there. Crazy how he made that, but he was dropping every other fucking pass, he, dude. I know. He, the inconsistency. Tough night for him. Yeah, it, it was, but overall that defense is just disgusting. Jalen Carter, my mom is in love with him. She loves Jalen Carter. He's a beast, man. He's a monster Even with they, that force fumble. Everyone's giving the Bears shit for that now, saying, oh, you passed him up, you passed him up, you could have had him, but so did eight other teams that passed him up before, you know? And we sort of get brought into it a little bit more because we're the ones that traded back from that pick with the Eagles to give them that ninth pick. But, I mean, stuff, people are just acting like Darnell Wright's been a bad player so far. He's been the best offensive lineman for the Bears, which is kind of sad. As a but he's going to get better. Yeah, he's going to get better. But, man, I do wish we could have got Jalen Carter, but, I mean, we needed to address that O-line. One thing I do want to say about Jalen Carter real quick, though, is that he's giving me heavily Chris Jones vibes. Mm. Looks like Chris Jones. But then you also can't forget, like, the players he's playing around as well. So it makes it a lot easier Easy. for him to actually show what he can do. But, I mean, not to take anything away from him at all. Because I think he's still going to be a top interior defensive lineman in this game, probably as soon as the next year or two. But I said it as soon as he got drafted. He could not have been placed in a better situation. And the Eagles got one of the steals of the draft. And like the rich just got richer, honestly. It's I agree. crazy how it worked out that way. And you you're, you said it perfectly how the players he's playing around kind of elevate his game and make it simpler for him. And they re- they were wreaking havoc. And and not only that, but they're great players to learn from as well. I mean, you got Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, um, I'm having a brain. Jordan Davis is yeah. there right oh, now. Yeah. Brandon Graham is still there. Like, it's just, you name it. And there's Dogs. Like, I mean, literal dogs. There's like six or seven Georgia Bulldog players on that defense, which is crazy. Um, some other takeaways I had from this was the run game of Philadelphia, which we already touched on. The fact that Jalen Hurts is still playing relatively pedestrian right now. Had two picks in this game. Did get over 230, 240 yards, I believe. But just still, like we said earlier, isn't performing the way he was last year, at least through the air. Yeah. So they have to find another way to win through the ground and good coaching and best offensive line of football and dynamic run running games with DeAndre Swift is everything they needed to make that happen, and they're doing it right now. I mean, they're averaging well over 200 yards a game on the rushing side of things. And just watch out for this team because I think they could potentially be right back to where they were last year. Comes the end of the season if they can get Jalen Hurts back on track. But you still got to look at it as a whole other year for defenses to learn and watch the film of Jalen Hurts last year when he was picking them apart. So that's going to be implemented into a lot of the game plans week in and week out matching up against Philly but I, I mean also week in and week out Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff just continues to show why they're a little bit more ahead of everybody else I agree because of that dog mentality it really is um, AJ Brown makes his appearance for the first time this season pretty much had a monster game Jalen Carter like we touched on continues to impress um, I predicted this would be a humbling game for the Bucks. that sort of came to fruition 
only one touchdown. Mike Evans did catch my eye, just dropping passes left and right, but also made a hell of a catch that nobody's really talking about. Catch of the year um, so far. And also the Bucks' run game, just non-existent as well. Which, so. it was also a rainy game. Their execution was off. But I will say this, Todd Bowles this year has called some of the best games of his career. Yeah. And He's this, really showing up. This was a prove-it year for him. And he was. was on the hot seat heading into the season, you know, even with Baker at the helm and everything else going into it. But he's he's been impressing. He, really he has. has. And the final game of Week 3 on Monday night was the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Cincinnati and taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams fall to one and two, and the Bengals actually go up to one and two. They were about to fall to zero and three, um, but the Bengals take the dub here and win nineteen to sixteen. Jamar Chase goes insane. T. Higgins, like you said, was absent. Um, Joe Burrow just really had a kind of a decent game. You know, yeah. nothing crazy, but their defense for the Bengals is really good. Uh, the Rams got did they did get shut down. You know, they they I mean, in my personal opinion. Um, compared to the other two games we saw a lot of them scoring over 23 and, you know, 31 points, like, this is, uh, you know, kind of shocking, you know, and Matthew Stafford's been playing at a high level, Yeah. and Nakua, obviously a guy you want to watch out for, still had his targets, still had his catches here and there, but 2-2 Atwell was the bright spot of the Rams' defense this game, Um, but the rush attack for the Rams is still mid, and not even, like... They, which is kind of odd, because they, well, looking at it now, they, they had five and a half yards per carry, but... The majority of that just came off of one big run from 2-2 Outwell, which was a 29-yard run. I mean, Kyron Williams only had 3.8 yards per carry. So, yeah, once again, just they're getting Kyron Williams involved in the backfield as a playmaker, and especially fantasy-wise. But when it comes down to actually winning football in the field, they just can't get anything going with that run game. I agree. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on this game? I know you're a little higher on the Bengals than I am, actually a lot higher. I still trust Joe Burrow. I still trust their coach with Joe Burrow. I still trust J.M.R. Uh, Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, I keep thinking of Jamar <laughs> Smith. Oh gosh, the USFL's ruined me. Uh, but Jamar Chase obviously is still probably a top five, top three receiver in the league. But, you know, do you think that this can translate to more wins building this momentum? Do you think Joe Burrow should have taken the rest? Do you think they could have won without him? What are your thoughts? I don't think they would have won without him, even though he didn't really do anything to win them the game. No touchdowns and also a pick. But it's just his presence and his leadership on the field, on the sideline. Isn't going to give you a lot more value than it would A.J. McCarron or whoever else they were going to put in there. Logan Wilson had two picks on Matthew Stafford. Shout out to him. Jamar Chase was the difference maker in this game, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. Just making play after play, great catch after great catch. It's setting the, um, it's setting the sticks, getting first downs. And it was just a tough, gritty game that you'd expect in a Super Bowl rematch. you know. And they had all the momentum, being at home, having the whiteout jerseys. And... When you have someone like Evan McPherson as your kicker as well, that's almost a guaranteed make every time he lines up. It makes it a lot easier for you to win these close games. But other than that, it wasn't a game that you would write home about. It wasn't a game I was expecting. I thought it was going to be more of a shootout, especially with Joe Burrow starting. And I was more so banking on Matthew Stafford to be putting up a lot of numbers for me, starting him in fantasy this week, picking him up last minute. But yeah... Good game for the Bengals. Defense looked great, and I think this does say a lot for them going forward because this was a must-win for them. Um, they could not have fallen to 0-3. Joe Burrow said that himself as to why he played. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and especially when those first two losses were within the division, coming to Baltimore, coming to Cleveland as well, when every other team in that division is 2-1 and right now. They could not have afforded the drop to 0-3 when the other three teams are as good as they are and are also 2-1. and one. This was a huge, huge win for the Bengals. 
especially going into a matchup next week against the Titans. No doubt in my mind that they should win that game. It's going to be tough. Um, it is at home in Tennessee, and it's still a very good Titans defense, but the way that defense is played against Matt Stafford and that Rams offense should be even miles better against Ryan Tannehill and that offense in, in uh, Tennessee. Then they play the Cardinals right after that, then the Seahawks. So they have a three-game stretch where they can cap it off by winning four in a row and go right back to four and two before they have a tough two-game stretch against the Niners and against the Bengals, or the Bills as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely a tough little period coming up for them. But, um, you know, wrapping up our recap of that, I did my predictions with Logan on the Power Rankings episode, but briefly, if you wanted to... Give everyone your takes on Week Four's games, and explain you know why you're taking who over who. But we'll start with the Thursday night matchup, Brandon. What are your thoughts on this game between the Detroit Lions going into Lambeau and taking on the Packers? It's gonna be the best Thursday night game so far of the season, I believe. And I'm riding with the Lions in this one. I really am. It's in Lambeau, which is a little bit concerning um, if you're the Lions. But I believe this is also where you guys beat them in Week 18 last year and yep. knocked them out of the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of this game will depend on if Aaron Jones and Christian Watson are healthy. With it being a short week, that does sort of work in Detroit's favor. With that being said, I'm going to sort of bank on that. And even with, and even if they do end up being healthy, I think the Lions make another statement game this Thursday night. I think Jameer Gibbs, um, especially on a short week with Montgomery being out Sunday, is going to have his welcome to the NFL game. And I think the Lions pull away with a close and, and gritty matchup on the road against Green Bay in this one. But... I'm really looking forward to this one. I mean, we're just just under or just over 24 hours away now from this game on Amazon Prime, and it's gonna be a good one. It is, for lack of better terms. It is very excited. Um, but kicking off with the Sunday games on October 1st, what are your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons going into Jacksonville and taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars? And this actually isn't in Jacksonville. This is gonna be in London. Oh, yep, the you're first, right. The first international series Wembley um, game, um, 9:30 a.m. Kicked off on ESPN Plus. I'll be tuned in for that. I love these games because you can wake up and watch them bright and early. I'm already up usually at that time watching soccer or Premier League anyway. So this actually is going to be one of my sneaky picks to be game of the week. Um, comes the end, come the end of Sunday. I think Jacksonville's offense sort of comes to life in this game. I think Bijan sort of bounces back. And it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be interesting to see the matchup with that front seven of Jacksonville against that rushing attack of Atlanta. Um, I think if you're Jacksonville, you really watch a lot of that film in that Detroit game and see what they did to neutralize that rush attack and you sort of emulate that. Yeah. And I, I already said Calvin Ridley has a revenge game against the Falcons in this game, but I think it still ends up being close. But I think the Jaguars do pull away with a, with a close victory here in London and what I think will be the game of the week for sure. Okay. And then coming back to the States. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize the game after that. We have a big game. Miami Dolphins going into Buffalo and taking on the Buffalo Bills. Oh shit! Um, I'm I, obviously this is a very big game. This is one of my favorite games of the weekend. Yeah, I this I'm seeing this now. I didn't even realize this. I mean, I might change my pick already. I'm what my game. I think these two. I mean, I will say that, but as we scroll down, who knows? But these two might be the two games of the week for sure. What are your thoughts on this game, though? Man, I. I can really, I really can see Buffalo winning this game, but I mean, how can you pitch against Miami and that Dolphins team that just put up seventy points? It is on the road in Buffalo. I know Bills Mafia is going to show up and show out like they always do, but I'm going to just rely on Josh Allen throwing some punts and Mike McDaniel's mind and 
that offense in, in general. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle should be back as well after missing this game against Denver, and they still put up 70 points. But you're going to see a battle of strength in this one, one of the best defenses in the league against the best offense in the league so far. And it's a divisional matchup. We all know how those always go. But I'm going to I'm gonna ride with Miami in, in this game, winning by a touchdown. Okay. Due okay. to just the turnovers by by Buffalo. Now Maybe Josh throws a punt. Now, I'm curious to see what the over-under on this is. It is saying that Buffalo's favored to win, which I'm honestly surprised. I think that's just a little bit of them being at home. It's got to be. But what's gonna what's gonna be the thing to watch for in this game is Buffalo's rushing attack against Miami's rushing defense. Week one, that rush defense for Miami just got exposed by Austin Eckler and that Chargers team. And like I said so far, James Cook's been really good for the Bills so far. He's been efficient, and if they can sort of look at what the Chargers did week one and emulate that as well in their rush attack, that might be a difference in this game. But I have no reason to believe that really will happen just because over history we've seen nothing but Josh Allen being the only rush attack when it really comes down to it in these big games. So I'm still going to ride with Miami, but watch out for that matchup as well. Okay. And the next game is going to be the Baltimore Ravens going into Cleveland and taking the Cleveland Browns on. Um, and that's interesting. The Browns have played a lot of home games so far this year. Uh, but, you know, the Ravens, are, this is a good game as well. I mean, this is a good divisional matchup. What are your thoughts on it? I think... I think the Ravens pull away with this one. I really do. I think it's going to be a really good, gritty matchup. I would want to see what the over-under is on this, but I would take the under, honestly. Um, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. And when it comes down to it, I'm just going to take Lamar Jackson's play over Sean Watson's play. And they still don't have Nick Chubb. You cannot forget that. And I think Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews will end up being a difference maker. But it's going to be interesting to see this offense take on this Cleveland defense, which is shown to be one of the best in the league so far. Top three. Um, yeah. Easily, and they have Cleveland favored as well, which kind of surprised about that. But they are at home, so they're probably taking that into account. But I mean, that's three, four matchups. I mean, even taking in the Thursday night game and the first three ones on Sunday, we're gonna have a really good week four. I mean, that's three divisional matchups out of those four, and all four of them are gonna be really, really good games. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next game is uh, Denver Broncos going into Chicago and taking on the Chicago Bears. Both teams are 0 3. Denver is favored to win, Yeah, which is shocking. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to win this game, but what about yourself? I have no reason to pick the Bears to win this game. I'm just really not going to even make a pick. I'm just going <laughs> to just let the week ride out and just go into Sunday expecting nothing and just see what happens. This is going to be one of the worst games of the season just throughout the entire league. And, I mean, it just tells you how bad the Bears really are, that they're at home and they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs against a team that just dropped or got 70 points dropped on them. Yeah, that's not good, bro. That's not a good look. And honestly, I know you're probably going to cover this game at length in the Windy City Reports number 8. But, um, yeah, no, that's that's not going to be a fun game to watch. But if I had to make a pick, I'm obviously going to ride with my Bears, but I'm not going to say you touch this game, whether it comes to spread. or I mean, if anything, both defenses are just so bad. And you never know. Like you can, This Bears offense can score when it wants to. It really can, and I wouldn't put it past them if for whatever reason they just put up three to four touchdowns, but then also Russell Wilson in that offense and the Broncos put up four or five touchdowns. I just I really don't know what to expect. It's just going to be a game that I'm going to dread watching, and I'm only going to be watching just because I'm a Bears fan. <laughs> really. <laughs> I respect it. I do. I'm a, I'm a Lions fan, and we went through this period 
Um, but the Steelers, the next game, are going to be taking on the Houston Texans in Houston. I think this is also a really good game. Um, I'm excited for the quarterback matchup, um, but I'm also excited for the coaching matchup. Both defensive-minded head coaches, really excited for, for this game. I think it could be one of the most exciting games this week. But I'm gonna like I, I think I took the Steelers, but I would not be surprised if it went either way. Pittsburgh is favored though. Yeah, I still think the Steelers will win this game, even though I'm high on C.J. Stroud and this Texans team and the receivers with Tank Dell and Nico Collins and Robert Woods. Their offensive line still sucks, even though they didn't give up any sacks against Jacksonville. But this isn't Jacksonville. This is a Mike Tomlin coach defense with T.J. Watt running at you. Facts. And I think he's gonna make C.J. Stroud's life living hell. And the Texans sort of revert back to that team that was a bottom three, a bottom four team. And, but it will be interesting to see this coaching matchup between the Miko Ryans and Mike Tomlin. I just think that what the Steelers are now is what the Texans, minus the offensive side of the ball and the issues they have there, just as organization, as a team, as a whole, that's competitive and well-coached week in and week out with a top 10 defense every year. And with an offense that can pop up at any time, I think that this Steelers team is what this Texans team will be in about three to four years with the coach and with the weapons they have in place. With a lot more upside, though, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, the Steelers just have better players on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, I think that DJ, TJ Watt in this defense and Mika Fitzpatrick has just going to make life a living hell for CJ Stroud. Not saying he's going to have a terrible game by any means. Yeah. I just I just don't think he's going to be able to get it done against his defense and the, that Pittsburgh will end up prevailing on the road. What are your thoughts on this next game? The LA Rams are heading into Indianapolis and taking on the Colts. Indy is obviously favored. I'm. I think I took Indy in this game as well. Another another sneaky game. There's a lot of good matchups this week. There really is. Um, I'm curious to see if AR will be playing. I hope he will be. If he is, I'm, I will take the Colts to win this game as well. Um, and this is going to be their last game without Jonathan Taylor with air quotations around that because like I said earlier he still doesn't want to play for them but he does come off the physically unable to perform list if everything goes right knock on wood after this week but I mean I also would not be surprised if the Rams take this game either I'd really have to see what the spread is that Indy's favored to win I would have to guess it's like a minus one and a half minus two and a half I would almost take the Rams to cover that if I wanted to touch this game but overall I just would not touch this game when it comes to betting and I mean, even with the over-under, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a low-scoring game, but I think Indy sweeps one out at home here and improves the 3-1, which a lot of people probably did not expect. No, definitely. Um, and then the next game on Sunday is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Both teams are 2-1. and one. Both are kind of on, you know, similar trend, yeah. you know. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? It's going to be another one of those divisional matchups this week that's just tough and gritty, and, I mean, it can go either way. Jameis Winston looks like he's going to be getting a start for New Orleans. Alvin Kamara is coming back as well, so I think that's where I'm going to give the Saints the edge here is that Jameis Winston will be playing against that Bucks defense. That's really good, but Marshawn Lattimore always has Mike Evans' number. That defense for New Orleans is still no joke, even though they blew a 17-0 lead in the fourth quarter at Lambeau. Chris Olave is still a very good and up-and-coming receiver in this league. Jameis Winston still does have the arm talent and the arm strength to throw the ball down the field. But like I said, this can go either way. I'm not betting on this game at all, but if I had to pick a winner, I think the Saints do edge this one out by three at home. I agree. I'm just a little scared about Jameis Winston. Not in a good way, but yeah. he just did not look ready to even take command of the offense when he was thrusted into seven action. Straight, seven straight punts, you said? It was. Saints. I think it was over six. I don't know if it may have been more than yeah, seven. Yeah, I just... 
I'm, I'm more they so just, the game to Green Bay. Yeah, I'm just banking on Alvin Kamara coming back this week and being the X factor in the difference. And then the next game is the Washington Commander going Commanders going into the Philadelphia Eagles territory. You know, at uh, Lincoln, LeBlanc. Lincoln Financial Field. Yep. Yep. Um, and they're gonna have to play a really hard game and. Obviously, we know who's going to win this game, but I'm yeah. not, don't sleep on the Commanders, man. They could be a gritty team. I don't I don't sleep on them as far as keeping this game competitive and close. I mean, the Commanders were the first team to beat Philly last year after they started out, what, 8-0, 9-0 or some shit yeah. like that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I'd be really surprised if Jalen Hurts had his coming-to-life party this game as far as a passer, so that means they're going to have to continue to pound the rock and use that running game with DeAndre, DeAndre Swift and that offensive line that they've been doing, but that's also against the front seven of the commanders that has Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, then one other just Sweat? really yeah, Montez Sweat yeah. on the on that defensive line as well. I think maybe even one more, but that's gonna be a very good matchup and that's gonna be the difference to I mean, really look for in this game. I and mean, last year the recipe was keeping Jalen Hurst and that offense off the field. They just dominated time of possession in that game that they beat them last year. And if they can do something along those lines again, not saying they have a not saying they're going to, but they, they're going to have a fighting chance. It's a divisional game. You never know which way it's going to go, but I still think Philly wins this one quite handedly. I agree. I agree. Um, and then the next game uh, is the Cincinnati Bengals going into Tennessee and taking on the Tennessee Titans. Since he is favored, I agree with that. They're going to win this game for sure. I, I see this going one or two ways. Either since he just coming back to themselves and blowing Tennessee out or this being one of the most boring games of the week. It could be boring, yeah. Honestly. It could be like a 28-3 to or, three win. Or even or, like a very similar game to what we just saw Monday night with Cincinnati in L.A. 16 to like 14? Yeah, something like that. I hope not because I, I still need Jamar Chase to keep popping off for my fantasy team. But, yeah. But I mean, I say that, but it was a 16-19 game and he still had 25-plus points. But I'm going to ride with the Bengals in this one on the road. Excuse me. And I think they win this by 10 or more points, honestly. Okay. I, I respect that. The next game, which is the final, I guess, 1 o'clock game we're going to be talking about, is the Minnesota Vikings going into the Carolina Panthers. Both teams <laughs> are 0-3. One. This is going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be completely lopsided. The Vikings will emerge victorious, but it's still going to be, I feel like, too late for both these teams if either win, if either one wins. Um, they're both in tough spots in their divisions with two superior teams that are kind of taking the cake in each situation. Um, and we'll see how this turns out, but I think it could be a very high-scoring game because of no defense being played. Yeah. You know, maybe a 27-31 game, but I'm going to take the Vikings, obviously. I'm right there with you. I don't really know what the report is on Bryce Young playing. I don't think his injury was that serious and that Andy Dalton is going to be like a one-week thing unless there's just a major setback in practice. I think if Andy Dalton plays, the, the Panthers actually have a better chance in this game, and it will lead more so to that high-scoring game, but I don't know. I mean, if this is a one-score game, you're biting your teeth if you're a Vikings fan, or, or you're biting your nails, whatever the hell you want to say, but I think the Vikings do sort of just say fuck it, and they just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers and not executing, and that's really what it comes down to, but I mean, we thought that the Cowboys against Arizona was a first-shore lock of the week. And a lot of people are going to be looking at this one the same way, but it could very well go the other way. The Panthers still have good players on defense. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Dante Jackson. Touched on this last week as well, but I, I think Minnesota wins this one very convincingly. I'm interested to see when Cam Majors starts getting some touches in the Vikings jersey. But 
until then, they just got to not shoot themselves in the foot, then this is the Vikings all day for me. I got you. I respect it. Um, the next game, the first of the 4 o'clock time slot games, is the Las Vegas Raiders going into Los Angeles and taking on the Chargers. I think the Chargers have this handedly, but what are your thoughts? I'm right there with you, and just looking at the rest of these 4 o'clock games, they suck. Yeah. They really do. All the great games this week are all 1 o'clock. That's going to be a shame as far as viewership. Not for me, because I have NFL Sunday ticket. Not to rub it in anyone that doesn't. Oh, well, why don't you? But you uh, I, I, I will. <laughs> because you can actually watch multi-screen. You can have two, three, four games all on at once on the same screen. And that's as good and as porn. Yes, it is. Um, maybe a little bit better. It is better. Um, yeah, I think the Chargers won this by like three touchdowns. <laughs> Austin Eckler's going to be back, hopefully, for my sake of fantasy as well. But I think he's going to erupt. I think Quentin Johnson and Josh Palmer are going to have a good game. And Mike Williams' absence, Keenan Allen picks up where he leaves off and... The Raiders will probably score 17 to 20 plus points, but I think the Chargers put up 35 to 40 plus this week. Wow. I, I, I can see that happening. The, the Raiders look really it's bad. It's just Brandon Staley just fucking sucks, and he's just as bad as Matt Eberflus as a head coach. I agree with that statement. I, I don't like his play calling, and his decision making is bad. So if they, he lose, could this, lose, if they lose this game, it's because of him. Yeah, I agree. No, no other way around it. I agree with that statement. Um, but the next game is uh, the New England Patriots traveling into Dallas and taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is obviously favored to win. I chose the Patriots. How about yourself? What's your reasoning behind that? Uh, obviously, the Will Greer signing. Yeah. They know the signing. I know you're high on the pass, too. But, like, honestly, I just think it's Bill Belichick versus Dak Prescott. And I'm taking mm. Bill Belichick every day of the week over Dak Prescott, bro. I think he's going to lock yeah. down that pass offense and make it one-dimensional. And Bill Belichick will run the ball all day if he wants to. He, that's easy. I just I can't see Mac Jones. I got the same well, he, way I see the Dallas Cowboys defense against Mac Jones. The same way you see Bill Belichick against Dak. You know, it's, I'm torn. I really am torn on this game. This could be like a nine-six game. You know, just for the fuck of it, I'm gonna go with the Patriots to win this game, just because I want to see the Cowboys lose. Yes. But if I'm, I'd have to look at the spread and the over/under. I would hammer the under on this <laughs> game, honestly, and. Deep down, I really think that this Cowboys defense is just going to be way too much, and we'll win this game for them. But if I'm just picking just to pick, I'm, I'm going with the pass, just because I like seeing the Cowboys lose, so fuck it. Me too. I, I, I hate the Cowboys, bro. And like the fact that these are our 4 o'clock games, we're going to have to be watching. Might as well have some fun with the predictions. You the know? next one's even worse, bro. Oh, yeah. The Arizona Cardinals are going into San Francisco and taking on the 49ers, who will uh, automatically go to 4-0. There's no if and yes. a bust about this one. I don't give a fuck if they just beat the Cowboys, being the Cardinals. I, there's no way. Right? No, no. There's just no way the Niners lose this. No. There's no way. I mean, mark our words now, but we'll eat them later if yeah, we have to. We, but... but there's just no way. Um, I would bet the under. I, no, I would bet the under on this. I don't know what it is. Uh, my phone died or else I'd have it up in front of me. But obviously the San Fran, San Francisco 49ers are going to be favored to win this. And they're going to win this. And it's going to be tough to watch if you're a Cardinals fan. And just an average spectator if it's on in your local area. Unless you're a Niners fan as well. Yeah. But um, what I'm going to be looking for is George Kittle in this game. Obviously we know McCaffrey's going to produce. Debo's in a little bit roughed up last week just with his physical play and how he likes to run the ball. Brandon Ayuk still has his injury issues, so look out for George Kittle this week. I think he pops off for two touchdowns, and the Niners win this by 28-plus. Damn. Damn, okay. I can see it happening. I really can. Like, they're, I feel like they're going to dominate Arizona on all fronts. Coming into San Fran, we saw how packed it was last week, and it's going to be just as packed, if not more packed, especially on Sunday night. Uh, but 
final game of Sunday, 8.20 p.m., the Kansas City Chiefs are going to MetLife and taking uh, on the New York Jets. It's crazy. I'm so excited for this game, yo. <laughs> yeah, and if you asked us that same question a month ago, everybody has this game marked on their calendar. It's oh, one of yeah. the best games of the season. Aaron Rodgers, bro. But instead, we get we get a Dollar General employee in Zach it just Wilson. doesn't even make me want to like watch this game or I'm not, talk about it. I'm not even going to be watching it, bro. I, I refuse. <laughs> I'm not watching Zach Wilson throw for 72 collective yards in the first three quarters. Dude, this is like every game from the 4 o'clock games all the way the rest of the night Sunday. Monday night game's a lot better, but... Dude, we just, all Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, we did not get set up with a nice treat. What the fuck, NFL? Like, well, I mean, fuck? you can't blame them for the Chiefs-Jets game, but as far as the 4 o'clock slates, like, really? The Cardinals? Did they really think they were going to be good this year? Scheduling really? them, bro? Come on. They should not have a single primetime game. They, they shouldn't, dude, the Lions didn't even get one. They had a flexed one last year. Yeah. That was bullshit. Yeah, so I'm not really expecting much in this game. Casey is obviously the lock of the week. Oh, yeah. Lock um, of the century, if, yeah. if anything. If they weren't last week, they definitely are this week. They have an easy schedule, bro. Like, when, especially with Aaron Rodgers, obviously not playing in this game. But when you actually break it down, like, God damn, their, their schedule is handed to them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's just how it is. got to play the hand you're dealt, and that's what they're doing, and that's what they'll continue to do. But, yeah, I really don't have much else to add on this game, dude. I really don't know what to look out for. I mean, if anything, just look out for... Like a big touchdown from Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, or Marquez Valdez Stantling, because any receiver Kelsey's gonna eat, bro. Yeah, Kelsey's gonna eat, but there's always just that one random receiver on the Chiefs that gets like two catches, three catches, and one of them is like a sixty-yard touchdown. And I think something like that will happen in this game. I can see that occurring. But it's it's gonna be interesting to watch that Jets defense against Pat Mahomes, maybe for the first half. Then once they're out there for ninety-five percent of the, the time, game. Yeah. yeah, then it might be a little bit different, but. Yeah, there's really not much else to say. This is going to be a boring game. And then the final game of Week 4 on October 2nd, Monday night, uh, the Seattle Seahawks are traveling to MetLife and taking on the New York Football Giants um, at 8.15 p.m. The Giants are favored to win this, actually. Kind of shocking. It is shocking. Excuse Bless me. You. Bless you. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry about that. Um, but I, we, me and Logan talked about this game a little bit, but uh, I think the Seattle Seahawks are probably going to win this. Um They've scored, like, over 70 points in two weeks now, so... What did Logan predict? He I, he took the Giants yeah. to... Uh, you know, you have to go with your team. You At always home. do. Um, but genuinely, I believe the Giants are fully capable of upsetting this team. Um, but they just have to show some offensive capability. But what are your thoughts about this game? I think it's going to be a really good game as far as a Monday night game. might be the best one we have so far. Um, as long as the Giants don't play like they did the first six quarters. Yeah. And even in this... San Francisco game, but we all expected that. Um, we touched on earlier, and I forget if it was off the air or not, but the Seahawks have allowed 300-plus passing yards in every game so far this season, I believe, and um, Daniel Jones, no one that's ever been known for making a name for himself through the air as far as being a prolific passer, throwing for 300 yards game and whatnot, but if there's a game that he's going to do it, this could be one of them. It could be. Which is kind of crazy to think once you list off the individual players on that secondary of the Seahawks. But, I mean, something obviously is not working for them over there. And their front sevens, on paper, a little bit suspect, but they've been pretty decent at rushing the passer and, and, and getting hits on the quarterback, which we know is a very big issue for the Giants. Um, I don't know if Saquon's going to be back. I don't think he is. So Matt Breida will still take the helm as RB1. So that definitely worries you a little bit being a Giants fan. Um, it's just as far as you're comparing, I think the defenses 
as far as the defenses go, the Giants definitely have the upper hand in that aspect. But offenses, you've got to go with Seattle. And in today's game, offense wins your games. So I think it's going to come down to maybe even a field goal or just a one-possession game where the Seattle edges it out on the road at MetLife. I respect that. And honestly, this is a prove-it game for the Giants. But Seattle should win this. They really should. Like, I look out for Jackson Smith and Jigliff in this game as well. Um, been very, very pedestrian, especially last week. Um, against Carolina, only had one catch for 10 yards and three targets, I believe. Um, but was second in the team in target after weeks one and two. He's he's due for his breakout game. You have Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison getting all his attention as a rookie receiver. And I thought Jack Smith and Jigba was better than both of them coming out of college. And I still think he is talent-wise. So I, I think this is going to be a game where he pops off because the Giants are going to have to worry about Tyler Lockett, have to worry about DK Metcalf, have to worry about Kenneth Walker. So look out for J- Jackson Smith and Jigba in this game to get his first career touchdown. Okay. Shout out. Shout out to Jackson. And he's also averaging the most separation for a rookie in his route running. I think it's like 4.6 yards. He's yeah. fast, bro. He's able to Very do fast. He's able to do a lot. He's I mean, a weapon in that slot position. He really is. And you got to respect it. And hopefully Gino will start to utilize that a little more. Um, but everyone out there, we really hope you appreciated our uh, week three NFL recap episode. A lot we covered in this. And if you're still sticking around, greatly appreciated. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms at Tea Time Reports. Sub to our YouTube channel. Again, at Tea Time Reports, we have another interview coming out on there the first week of October or somewhere around then. No rush on that by any means. It's just, uh, you know, stay tuned for some more content. We're hopefully going to get better with the uh, camera work and stuff over time. But honestly, for our first interview, I thought that was very oh, that good, was really for the, good for the for the camera, for yeah. everything we were working with. I agree. And I, I think it's only going to get better. And, you know, hopefully everyone out there uh, is also sticking around and, you know, Staying tuned for more and more of our improved quality product and content. Staying and, awake as well. Yes, staying awake. That's uh, that's the key motto with this podcast and this show in general. And you know, honestly, if you're a part of the community, we hope you are. You know, awake at the wheel, if you if you will. But uh, Brandon, thanks for hopping on this episode, and really appreciate everyone for putting on you know in all this hard work for the podcast, and especially with all the NFL coverage. There's a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. A lot to go in depth on, but is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap this up? I think we got it all, man. That was a great episode. Sweet. Great week three leading into an even better week four, I think. I 100% agree. Maybe not the best week three, but, you know, as far as a football fan, you just always got to learn to appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah. content, things to talk about, and just storylines. I mean, you had a team that was a field goal away from setting the record and all-time points scored, have all these other storylines about teams getting blown out, and... Yeah, there's just a lot, lot going on. It's been a crazy start of the season so far. It's just going to get even crazier. Um, there's only two undefeated teams, three undefeated teams left. Three, yeah. San Fran, Philly, and Miami. Yep. Which, I mean, usually there's probably still at least like five, six, seven around this time. So a lot of parity in the lead this year. Um, even in the power rankings, like I touched on it last week, and even with this one, dude, from like 25 all the way up to 10, there's a lot of parity. I agree. A lot agree. of parity. You know, so it's just gonna get better. Week four is gonna be a great week. A lot of divisional matchups, a lot of matchup between teams that are very, very level with each other. Whether yeah. it's just on the trajectories they're going or their roster, so it's gonna be a great one for sure. Some nice equivalent matchups. Some some nice games to talk about. Plenty of sports content coming out this week. We got a Premier League episode. We got Rowdy's re- recap. You know, whatever you want, we probably have it here at Tea Time Reports. This is Brandon and Trevor. We're signing off here. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Peace. Peace.